And we are on air for Fans for Racing Radio, and tonight we are going to be doing the NASCAR race review for Gateway and Portland. And we'll also have our Hot Topic sound off at 10 p.m. We're going to start off in the first half hour talking about some short track racing news, uh, and then we'll get into our ARCA race, ARCA West race at uh, Portland International Raceway, uh, and review that race. Uh, at 9 o'clock, we have a guest coming on board. It is Chase Purdy with uh, Hattori Racing. So looking forward to uh, catching up with Chase Purdy. Boom the NASCAR Truck Series. So uh, we'll have a lot to talk about with him. At 9.15, we'll do our, pre- our review of the Truck Series race at uh, Gateway, WWT Raceway at Gateway. And uh, Chase Purdy actually had his first top 10 finish there this weekend in Madison, Illinois. At 9.30... We're going to get into the Xfinity Series race uh, that took place at Portland International Raceway and review that race. And at 9.45, we will be talking about the Cup Series race, the inaugural race for the Cup Series at WWT Raceway at Gateway. So uh, definitely looking forward to our show here tonight. Uh, again, 10 o'clock is our NASCAR Hot Topic sound off. So uh, we're Look forward to talking about that at the uh, 10 o'clock hour. Joining me for our show here tonight is the co-host for tonight, and that is Sal Segala. Welcome to the show, Sal. Well, good evening, Sharon. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I've already gone through the agenda, so we can get right into the short track racing news. Uh, there's uh, quite a bit uh, over at Racing America. Uh, they do talk about uh, the situation this weekend with Ross Chastain at uh, Gateway. And uh, that inaugural race, I think, will be a memorable race. Uh, we'll get into more details at uh, our 945 time frame, but... Uh, they do cover that over at Racial America. Uh, Frank Kimmel, that's a familiar name, right, Sal? Frank Kimmel from the Yes, it Austin. is. Yes, indeed. He sweeps the Grand National Super Series at Tri-County this weekend. So it was a big weekend uh, for 10-time market champion who won both the GNSS races at Tri-County Speedway on Saturday night. So, uh Really good to see him still racing, and uh, still doing well. They, they're tagging him now, Sal, as Frank King Kimmel. Okay, I'm having trouble hearing you, Sharon. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, you hear yeah, me? no, I was having trouble hearing you. Yeah, now I can hear you. Yeah, now I can hear you. Oh, okay. Um, I'm glad yeah, you I can hear, hear me. I hope everybody heard that. Uh, I was talking about Frank Kimmel uh, sweeping the Grand National Super Speedway Super Series at Tri-County this past weekend. He won both the GNSS races at Tri-County on Saturday night. He's a 10-time ARCA champion, uh, so we've had him on the show here a couple of times, and uh, it's really good to see him still racing. 
Oh yeah, it is definitely good to see him out there, you know, and um, you know, supporting the, you know, the short track side of it too. Yes, exactly, exactly. It is uh, pretty cool to see that happening. Um, so the, over at uh, Racing America, they have quite a few articles. Boo Boo Dalton stays hot with a win at Carraway. Uh, those are some of the local races that are taking place uh, with the NASCAR uh, Advanced Auto Parts Series. Crump wins the CRA Laurel Highlands 150 at Jennerstown Speedway. Uh, that's one of the races that we kind of have been highlighting. And uh, so it was Kyle Crump adding another big win to his resume on Saturday Wow, yeah, there's there's some. I'm telling you, there's there's a lot of good stuff going on back back in the, you know, we we call them, we call them the East Coast over here, you know, because you know they're they're on that side over there, but um right, you know, and we always call good, the races on tracks. your end the West Coast, <laughs> or the left, or or a lot of them say they call it the left coast, the left coast, <laughs> and that might make left. us the right coast. <laughs> yeah, they cross the left instead of the west. They said because because when you look at the map, we're on the left side of the map. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, now you know there's another big race that's coming up, Sal. It's uh, the Eldora Million, and five drivers uh, over at Racing America. They're saying there are five drivers you might be surprised to see are competing in this week's Eldora Million at Eldora Speedway. It's going to be June 8th to 9th. Uh, starting 5.30 p.m. Central, that's 6.30 Eastern. Uh, and they're highlighting uh, five drivers. One is Chase Bristol. He's going to be racing for the uh, Eldora Million at Eldora Speedway, along with Tyler Courtney, Donnie Schatz, <coughs> Billy Moyer, and Carson Ferguson, all racing uh, for that $1 million purse at El- Eldora Speedway. Well, yeah, those are some big names right there. You know, when you you, you know when you look at the, you know, Donnie Shots, man, that family's been around for, gosh, for eons and eons and eons. You know, racing, um, you know, Shots family. So that's going to be a big, uh, a big, um, you know, it's going to be a big event. It's going to be huge. There's already over 60 people, 60 drivers that have already filed official entries. For the Eldora Million at Eldora Speedway, uh, I was trying to see if I could find an entry list uh, to see if there's. You, you know, and it's and it's funny because um, they they get so many so many entries when it comes to uh, when it comes to um, dirt racing. Out, out here we have what we call the Duel in the Desert. They run it over here at um, in Las Vegas. And last year, they they average about 300 to 400 entries, you know, a year or more. Last year they had 450 entries, and this yeah. year they're going to cut it. They're going to cut it at 400, and you know what? And and if you're not if you're not in by then, you know you're not getting in. But um, yeah, I've seen. I mean, look at the look at the chili bowl. You know, the exactly. chili bowl they run the whole week at. And look at how many entries they get. I mean, they just get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of entries. You know, and they they run all week. You know, 
all night, you know, one not, you know, through the night, you know, but like, you know, like regular schedule. And um even out here for the um for Paris we have the uh, which I'm sure we'll you'll probably cover that one too, will be the um oh my gosh, I am drawing a blank on, on the one we have out here. But anyway, it, it's 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 another big dirt show. But but those dirt guys they really know how to bring in the card counts. Yes, they do. As of May 26th, there are over 60 entries. Uh, we just listed uh, four other drivers that are not on this list. Uh, so that's at least 64 drivers that are entered uh, for this race. If you're not already a subscriber at Low Racing, I would highly recommend it uh, because it's going to be four days of racing out there at Eldora Speedway uh, leading up to this Eldora Million. So, uh, it's going to be fun watching these guys race on dirt. Uh, I see people from all over the country on this uh, list. So uh, it sounds like it's another big one like the Snowball Derby. So. Yes, exactly. I mean, you know, you know the, the Snowball Derby is, I would say, you know, is, is our biggest asphalt, you know, race, you know, that we have. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we get – you know, we we get, you know, 50, 50 to 60 super late models, you know, but I mean, these guys, these dirt guys, they get, what they get is consistent. They get consistent, you know, 100, 200 drivers, you know, per race. I mean, it's, it's just, that's just how consistency they are with their, with their, um, with their, uh, with their entries. Mm-hmm. It said, actually, as of May 26, there were 61 dirt late model drivers uh, that have already entered for the one million to win event. Uh, the current list of entries for the Eldora Million includes many of the top dirt late model drivers in the country, as well as a handful of surprises, with over a week still remaining until the event. The entry list is expected to grow on a daily basis, and that was back on, like I say, May 27th. So, um, uh, and then they listed those four new drivers uh, that weren't even on that list, uh, or five drivers, I should say, that weren't even on that list. So that's at least 66 people. And uh, Chase Briscoe is, he comes from dirt. So it's going to be fun to see what he does out there at Eldora. Uh, So uh, he has said that he is going to be there, so... Uh, I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, you know, and actually, when you go back and look at a lot of your, at a lot of our, um, our you know, I'm, I'm just going to go with Cup champions rather than say Cup drivers, because a lot of our Cup drivers have had a, have had a, uh, you know, a run or two in with the, um, with dirt, you know, Ricky Stenhouse, you know, one of them. He's not a Cup champion, but Ricky still raises a lot of dirt. But you talk about mm-hmm. Kyle Larson, who's a Cup Cup champion, you know, he he got his start on dirt. Um, oh my you know, look at Jeff gosh. Gordon, you know, you know, you look at Jeff Gordon, you know, he's, he's another one, you know, that, you know, that, that got his start, you know, on dirt, Tony Stewart, you know, another one, you know, with the dirt, you know, part of the dirt, uh, the dirt crowd. I, I just saw an updated list here of entries for that Eldora million. We were talking about 60, maybe 66 drivers. More than 115 drivers are now entered as of June the 6th, which is today. 
that oh, is yeah, they're, huge. They're going to they're gonna keep coming. Yeah, they're going to keep coming. They're going to they're, they're just they're going to keep coming. This this isn't the end of it. I mean, by the time the race, when's the race this weekend? It's this weekend, June eighth and ninth. Okay, uh, so let me see here. Give, I'm seeing if any new names are on here that I know. Uh, there's probably a lot of them that you know, Jay or Sal. Um, I know some of these are names that uh, Jay knows from the South. Uh, I saw Mike Marler on here. He talks about him all the time. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to see. There are just so many people here. Uh, 116 drivers all entered on this list. I'll tell you what, if you want to see the list, I would suggest you go over to flowracing.com and you'll see in the news area, uh, they're talking about this race that's taking place this weekend, April, I'm sorry, June 8th and 9th, 5.30 p.m. Central is when it starts. And uh, 116 drivers from all over the United States and Canada. So uh, we're even attracting people from across the border uh, to to race this race. So it's going to, like you said, it's going to continue to grow. And Chase Bristol you know, is even so, on that list. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm you know I'm kind of going over the list. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of you know Tim McCready, you know. Um, you know, you, you just mentioned a few. Uh, yeah, I actually, I'm going to the, the now, and I'm surprised that. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised that um, uh, Stuart that we don't see Stuart Friesen maybe try to jump in there. I don't, I don't know if the trucks are racing yeah. this weekend. But you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Stuart Friesen. Um, another one that might be a late, hey, a late hey. entry might be Kyle. Might be Kyle Larson. Uh, Rico uh, Rico Abreu might be a late entry Uh, there's a possibility of even seeing a Stenhouse as a a late entry in there yeah this is a huge huge event that's Eldora Million at Eldora Speedway and I really encourage everybody uh, to check out this race and again if you're not already signed up at uh, Flow Racing to be able to watch these races, I would highly encourage it. Uh, this is going to be a huge weekend out, Elder, out at Eldora Speedway. And if you look at the schedule, there are just so many races coming up. Uh, it's hard for us to list all of them uh, each weekend. A lot of the NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts uh, weekly touring series races uh, show up on this list. Uh, there, there's just a whole slew of races, both at Flow Racing and at Racing America. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Let's see where what else? Okay, going back to the news. Um. There's an event pre here preview here for the Funny Car Chaos at Cordova now. You like to watch the Funny oh. Cars, I know. Yeah, that is amazing. They, I've seen, I seen footage from last 
from uh, last year. A couple of photographers from here went out there, and they had um, uh, <laughs> it's amazing how many funny cars that they um, that they end up getting. Uh, um, they're all they're all uh, nostalgia, you know. They're all they're all nostalgia uh, funny cars, but <clears throat> the a couple of the guys that um that went and uh that went out there and um and shot the event said it was just, yeah I got so dead yeah, I got so excited funny cars and ears go ahead I bet I bet Cordova's uh uh to the north of me here uh about fifty miles so <laughs> right here in Illinois Cordova driveway. Okay, let's move on to the Arkham Art Series. I got always so excited about the dirt racing. Uh, I let the time slip me by here. But uh, we need to get into the Arca West race out at uh, Portland International Raceway. Jake Drew powers through uh, the Portland Range to get his very first Arkham West victory. A big night for Jake Drew. Yeah, it was. He finally got his win. Um, last year he was denied the win because of uh, mm-hmm. he um, he had cut one of the corners, and then later on when they went and checked the video, they found out that he did cut the corners, so they took the they took the win away from him. So this time around, he made sure that he was uh, that he didn't cut that corner and um, ended up um, you know uh, getting the win on on a on a on a, on a uh, rain on a rain shortened event. Which is, you know, a win is a win. I mean, a lot of yeah, people yeah. say, you know, that, you know, it's shortened by rain by 42 laps. But you know what? Every driver had a it's, chance to put himself in that position, in that position. You know, to get that win. Exactly you know, and, right. And it just, you know. So, I mean, yeah, congratulations to Jake, to Jake Drew and the, um, and the, uh, and the win this Board. past weekend. Yeah, actually, actually, it's not the Sunrise Ford car anymore. It's the um, it's called uh, Sunrise Racing. What happened was Bob oh, Brucati, who owns, yeah, who owns the team, <clears throat> he sold the dealerships. So he went and changed the name of the team to Sunrise Racing, and took the oh, Ford okay. off because he's no longer he no longer owns the Ford dealerships. Changed everything, gotcha. and actually, this is Bob's this is Bob's last year. In the, um, he's not going to fill cars wow. next year. He's going to sell the team after the season. He had already had a wow. talk with uh, with Chris. Uh, yeah, he had already had a talk with Chris, the director of uh, at 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 Arkansas, said that this was his um, with Chris Wright, and said this was his last season. Okay. Well, I want to make sure we uh, give our top ten finishers here in that Arca West race. Jake Drew. Uh, one in that number six Sunrise Racing uh, <coughs> machine. Then it was Connor Mosack in the 17, coming in second. Uh, Todd Souza in the number 13 finished third. Daniel Dye finished fourth, driving the number 43. Takuma Kogan. I'm always excited to see his name up in the top ten. And he actually had a top five this week, uh, driving the number seven, uh, finishing in fifth. Tanner Wright had a sixth-place finish in that number nine car. Uh, Bridget Burgess in the 88 finished in seventh. Paul Pedrinselli Jr., uh, driving the number 33, finished eighth. 
Austin Hertzog finished 16, I'm sorry, finished ninth in the number 16 for Bill McAnally. And in the number 54, it was Joey East uh, finishing in 10th place. Uh, there were only seven cars, actually, that finished on the lead lap at the end of this race. So uh, even at 42 laps, uh, it was it was an interesting race. Uh, this was a road course race for these guys. Yes, it was. Actually, it was the same uh, the same road course that the um, that the uh, um, Xfinity Series ran on. Yes, yes, a one point nine six seven mile road course uh, for the Sacramento Art Series, and uh, I was so happy to see that Jake Drew was finally able uh, to get a victory in that series, uh, and then. Um, uh, you know, it's got a picture of him here with his uh, victory lane, uh, victory flag, uh, the checkered flag, because they always get to keep that uh, when uh, they win the race. So uh, really, really big smile on Jake Drew's face. Oh, yeah, there should be. I mean, it, it took him, you know, <clears throat> you know, a couple, well, this is the second season in the, this is the second season in the, um, in the uh, series, you know, but, um, you know, he's had some bad, um, you know, he's had some bad luck, you know, when it's, when it's, you know, when it came to, you know, trying to win these races. Well, he's got, he's in the win column now, and uh, he's also leading the series point standings. So if you want to go over that. <clears throat> yes, we'll go, we'll do the point standings. So right now we got, um, and and actually, our top ten have have completed every race, so we we have we have finally have a legit top ten in the yeah. in the series point standing. So yeah, so leading the points is Jake Drew. Um, sitting second is is Tanner Reif. Third is Cole Moore. Fourth is Todd Sousa, and sitting in the fifth spot is Paul Petroselli, um, Jr. Um, and then from there, then we go down to Austin Herzog in sixth, Tacoma Koga in seventh, Joey East in eighth, uh, Bridget Burgess in ninth, and Paul Petroselli <clears throat> rounds out the, uh, the top ten. Yes, indeed. And that goes from uh, Jake Drew at the top of the list, and Paul Petroselli is 81 points back. Uh, but there are some close races in between. Uh, if you look at third through, uh, I guess you'd say six, there's only five points separating those guys from third yes, through and, six. And so it, it's tight. Yeah, and even even between first and second, I mean, Tanner still has a, you know, a legitimate shot at Jake, you know, especially, mm-hmm. you know, with their next race coming up at, um, coming up here at Sonoma, you know, um, you know there's that, uh, that the entry list is going to be huge because you got the Cappy World Truck Series that's going to be running yeah. the same um, the same the same day on Saturday, and we always get the we always get the crossover from the uh, we always get the crossover from the um, from the Cup guys that you know like to come over you know and and get one of these um, you know uh, West cars. Exactly. Uh, Jake Drew has shown a lot of consistency this season, though. He, out of the four races they've run this year, he does have the one win 
but he also has the four top fives and four top tens. Uh, he's uh, only led 45 of 499 laps, uh, but he has an average start of 5.3 with an average finish of 3.0, uh, which is pretty impressive. Uh, and then uh, his points total in those four races is 170 points. So uh, Jake Drew's consistency is unmatched, I think, this year in the series. Yes, it is. You know, and uh, you know, I, I know we, you know, everybody expected, you know, the uh, Bill McAnally, you know, drivers, you know, to be a little bit more, um, to be a little bit more um, uh, kind of uh, productive. But um, you got to remember that in the number sixteen car, which is usually the car that, you know, it's, it seems like it's one of the stronger cars in the McAnally stable, was with uh, Austin Herzog, and this is his rookie season. So Austin is still, you know, he has that learning curve, you know, getting used to the car and also getting used to all the different track configurations. The only, um, the only uh, uh, veterans that we see in the series actually is Todd Sousa and um, uh, Takuma Koga. Yep. Yep, it's, it's really amazing. Uh, I'm real proud of this Arthur Menard Series West. Uh, they've had a lot of uh, uh, competitive drivers in that series. And uh, last year, if you remember, Sal, that was the most competitive uh, championship race we saw in the Arctic Series last year. Oh, yeah, it was definitely, you know, it was driving that came down from the last race. Came down to the, to the, to the, um, to a spotter's mistake, you know, that cost Jake Drew not only the championship, but also the rookie of the year, you know, at the end mm-hmm. of the race at, at yeah, Phoenix. When they, yeah. 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 yeah they, they tied and then they gave, and then they gave the, um, they gave the championship to, uh, to um, yeah, Jesse Love because he had more, he had more race wins than, um, than Jake Drew. Wow. Yep. That, that makes a difference. It makes a difference when it comes down to being that tight uh, between the points. Uh, I will say, I I do want to take a few minutes here, too, uh, to make sure that we uh, let you know when the next races are coming up in the Arkham Art Series. And it's one of my favorite races uh, out at Iowa Speedway uh, is coming up this weekend on June the 11th. Uh, this is all, all of the series are racing this weekend on June the 11th. Uh, the ARCA West will be out there at Sonoma Raceway, so it's another road course for those guys. They'll be racing at 11.30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, that is what? 12, 1, 2.30 uh, on Eastern time. Uh, but it will be live streamed on Flow Racing, so you'll be able to watch the replay there. But the, my, one of my favorite races of the year, and I know Sonoma is a big race. I don't mean to take away from that. But Iowa Speedway is coming up this weekend for the Arkham and Art Series, the Arca East, and the Sioux Chief Showdown. Finally, we get the second race of the Sioux Chief Showdown for Iowa Speedway. So it's one race, three different series. Racing for points, the Calypso Lemonade 150, and it will be televised on Mad TV. So uh, all 
of the series, all four series in the Arkham and Art series, will be gaining points this weekend. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be an exciting race right there. Like you said, you know, three three series running for you know running for points. You know, that's going to be really super exciting. It is indeed. Okay, uh, I want to get into our next guest that's coming up uh, from the Camping World Truck Series uh, is uh, Chase Purdy. He races with the Toy Racing Enterprises, and uh, we've had him on the show before, so I'm looking forward to having him back. Uh, He is uh, coming off of his very first top ten finish this season at uh, Gateway. And uh, I'm kind of anxious to talk to him about that, so I'm going to bring him into the queue here. And uh, first of all, welcome back to the show, Chase. It's good to have you here. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Chase, uh, I was real excited to hear that you had that top ten finish this weekend out at Gateway. Uh, Talk about that track, and and, uh, did it suit your – it must have suited your driving style, but in what way? Yeah, no, absolutely. Gateway is one of those racetracks for me that uh, just kind of, you know, I don't know, fits my style of things. Um, I've always run well there. Um, it is my worst place finish there. I've run there three times. Um, I ran second there in an ARCA car and then sixth last year in a truck and then tenth this year. So it's just one of those places that, I don't know, you know, every, every driver has a racetrack that they just really like. Um, and I think that's one of them for me. Okay. Uh, talk about the track itself, because, uh, you know, the Cup Series race there this year for the first time as well. But the Truck Series has been racing there, as you just mentioned, uh, for a few years now. So you've got quite a bit of experience there. Uh, talk about the particular things that make Gateway what it is. Um, I think that, you know, the biggest thing that stands out um, is, both both ends of the racetrack are completely different, right? So, um, you know, you have one and two that's really tight, um, and then you have three and four that's kind of like a almost gives you a, a Loudon-type feel with the long kind of, uh, you know, extended corner, you know, wrap the bottom, big B on the bottom. Um, and, you know, you're downshifting one and two also. So, you know, there's so many different – it's not your typical racetrack, right, where both ends are completely different styles. Um, one end you got to shift in. So, I mean, it's just, it's really unique in itself. There's really, we don't really go anywhere else on the circuit um, that's close to that. Well, I know that they were talking about uh, Kyle Busch in the Cup Series that going into the race, they talked about two downshifts or two shifts uh, in the corners. And I think it was one and two. It might have been three and four. But uh, they said Kyle Busch decided to just make that one shift. What were you doing? Were you doing two shifts or one shift? <clears throat> so, so I did one. Um, I think the, I think all of us, if we were shifting, did one, um, and it would be down in one and two. Um, and, and some guys, you know, I'm one of them too. You know, I fought, uh, I fought being a little tight this weekend. So, if I kind of came in the corner, I would, I would go ahead and shift sooner than I maybe should have because it would slow me down a little bit more, and it would also kind of um, pitch the truck to turn a little bit better when I did it. So um, I did that down in one and two. Three and four did not shift. Um, you probably could do it, but I, I don't know how much of, a, of an advantage it would be. I don't think it would be much of an advantage if you did it in three and four. 
Okay. Okay. Well, thanks. That was good clarification for me. Um, and and I'm, I'm glad you made that distinction. Now, I've got a couple questions here from Jay. He's one of our Vampiration crew members. Uh, and he said, aside from the obvious job security, what's the difference between a full-time ride and a part-time ride? Uh, is it easier to focus on a select number of races versus being have the consistency of having the schedule all season long? Well, I've lived both uh, both of those worlds, and I would much rather be full time. Um, you know, I think you know when you're part time, you can focus on select races, but at the same time, you're also not in the seat as often. Um, so you don't have as much seat time, and you're not doing it as regularly as those guys that are full time um, racing. Um, you know, thankfully, the last two years I've been full time, but you know, it's I'd I'd much rather be full time because you get constant seat time, you get to go to different racetracks and you learn things as you go um, that carry on to other racetracks and places you'll go that you don't even realize you learned. So I think for sure I'd rather be full-time. Okay. And then the second question he has here is uh, what's your take on the extra driving outside of your primary ride? Uh, Some of the drivers do a lot. They're doing a lot more of the uh, local short track racing at, uh, you know, the late models and, and dirt races and so forth. Kyle Larson is a big one on that. Uh, what's your take on that what versus the risk versus the reward of doing that? <clears throat> so, I you know, I think it's always beneficial, right, if you could uh, find a way to do that. Um, I know I used to always do a bunch of um, super late mall races. Um, I love super late mall racing. That's probably my favorite race car. And so I know that, you know, I would, when, on my off weekends, I would go and run a super somewhere. Uh, and I think, you know, I think that's great to do. You know, I think Kyle Larson's one of those guys that really is the person that kind of said it. Um, it's always been kind of a thing people did, but put it in motion um, and showed that, you know, that's how you really up the game. Like Kyle Larson, if he's not cup racing, he is in a dirt car somewhere doing something. Um, and so you'll see a lot of other guys that are starting to follow that, follow that trend and, and do that. And I think it makes you a better race car driver because you're driving so many different things at so many different places all the time. Um, so I, and I think that's why Kyle Larson is as good as he is. I mean, he's always been a great race car driver, but I think that's really what makes him, I think that's what makes his racecraft so good. Um, and, you know, I think that's, you know, that's great if you can go out there and do those things. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, thank you for your take on that. Uh, now, we all have our co-hosts here tonight as well, Sal Segala, and I know Sal has some questions for you as well, so I'm going to turn the mic over to him. Hey, what's up, Chase? How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? <clears throat> good. You know what? And and actually, my, my related question was focusing back on, you know, how you said, you know, you like um, uh, short track racing, you know, with the, with the supers. Um, you know, it seems like it seems like the last couple couple two three years, you know, we've seen an influx, you know, in drivers, you know, that are that are, you know, that are wanting to um, take that route. But not only that, we're seeing a lot of Cup drivers, you know, starting to you know come back to their roots. Matt Kenseth, um, you know, we've seen Kyle Busch, of course, you know, we we we've seen you at the Snowball Derby before, but you know, um, Grant Infinger coming down to the Derby, Chase Elliott coming down to the Derby. 
you know, and, and not only that, you know, but even hitting Slinger, you know, some of the American 400, you know, Carson Hosovar, he loves hitting that race too. What's, what's, what's your opinion on the, on the state of super late model racing today? So I know that, you know, when I was in supers a few years ago, um, you know, I love super. I'm actually trying to figure out how to run a few races this year. Um, you know, I think <clears throat> super late model racing it, for the last five to, to seven years has been at a really big peak um, of competition level and just how hard it is in true race car drivers of our sport. Um, you know, I mean, you got your Bubba Pollard's, your Jeff Chiquette, Stephen Nassies, um, you know, down south where I'm from, you know, you got your Casey Rodericks and all of that. I mean, it's just, there's so, so many guys that are, that are so good in each region of, of the United States that we race against. Um, and, you know, it's like you go to the Snowball Derby. People talk about how big the Snowball Derby is, and it's a huge ordeal, but I don't think people actually understand just how hard it is to even make the show there. I remember my first year there uh, for the Snowball Derby and Snowball Derby qualifying on Friday night, and, I mean, I was just – it's the most nerve, nervous I've ever been, and it just – I mean, the nerves are – I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, there's 65 – something cars there and and they're all trying to make the race you know i mean unfortunately i i qualified six my first time there so i was pretty pumped about that but um just to make the race itself is something to be proud of um people risk a lot of everything to go down there and you know that's uh that's our super bowl and super late models and so you know it's a super late model racing is one of the toughest racing in the sport and uh i will stand by that till the day is long <laughs> yeah, you know, and actually I'll be doing my I think this will be my eighth my eighth uh, it'll be my eighth or ninth snowball derby, but I agree with you on the cuz I, I I do photography for for Derek Thorne, you know, plus some of the other drivers down there, but I agree with you on Friday night qualifying. I mean, I've done NASCAR and all different motorsports, but I've never ever in my life seen drivers so tense so in focus and so like, don't bother me right now because I'm trying to qualify for this race. And then once you qualify, the field is so tight that I mean, a tenth of a second, and and you're, you know, Ricky's calling you out and saying, you know, go to the front of the line because you're in the LCQ. You know, and drivers just yeah. sitting there, you know, just watching the board, watching the if each driver goes through. It doesn't matter if, if you draw nine or if you draw. 55, which is a good number to draw 45, because when Derek Thorne got his first poll, he drew the number nine. He was one of the first ones out, and he got the poll. And he and he when he drew the nine, he was just so bummed out because he said, this is the worst number I could ever draw, end up on the poll. But, I mean, when you start, like you say, you start watching the Nazis go through. You start watching the Pollards go through. The Rodericks, you know, you watch Chase Elliott go through, you know, going to the LCQ race. You see Noah Gregson come and go to the LCQ race. You see all these drivers, you know, and um, and I tell fans, I go, if you ever want to see good racing, if you can't get to the Derby, but, you know, but, but go check out your short track races. I said, because guys like you, that's where you guys cut your teeth. That's, that's, that's what made you guys the drivers that you are today to be able to compete, you know, in the upper series of NASCAR. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, you know, and I want to say – 
I could be wrong, but I want to say that I was racing the Derby the year Derek Thorne got the pole. Um, I think that might have been 2018 or 2017, but I mean it was it's such a tight field. I mean I I've been fortunate enough to where you know I've gone out early and I've gone out late in qualifying and I've I've always locked myself in the show. But I mean it's nerve wracking, right? I mean you just I mean I start thinking about things like oh well, what if you know you have a flat or something happens or if you have just a minor slip up i mean a tent is a huge deal like you just talked about i mean you're talking about a tent is the difference between first and 20th in the snowball you know what i mean there's a huge difference there so um i mean it's definitely probably the hardest race to make in the country and super late long racing absolutely now going back to one more question going back to chase Perry today how much of that super late model of all your super late model racing do you feel has helped you, you know, to develop into the driver you are today? Because I know I'm not going to mention the, the driver's name, but Donnie Wilson made a comment about one of the drivers that had a slip-up in one of the top three series, and Donnie Wilson made a comment and said, had he stayed more at this level right here and learned more, even though he, or even though he does have a, a few wins, you know what, he probably could have ended up to be a better driver in the top three and not made that mistake on the third time. Yeah, no, I I definitely think it, it always, you know, transpires over. Um, I think especially on your short track racing abilities. You know, we were just at Gateway, and, you know, people don't really realize this or, or maybe think about this, is Gateway race is like short track um, in a sense. Um, and so, you know, not just Gateway, but other short tracks you go to, that, that's, that's where a lot of our roots are, right? So that's where we have to really use a lot of what we know about short track racing, whether it's restarts, how to pass people, um, you know, maybe you're managing tires. I mean, it's just so much that goes into that that you have to relate back to what you grew up on. Um, you know, and for me, and like I said, many others, is super late mall racing. So um, I, it is relevant and in everyday everyday life when you're racing, um, I think, you know, I think everything you learn plays a part. Um, you know, that's how you got there, right? That's, you know, you everybody talks about using the tools you have to go out there and perform and run fast. Well, those are part of those tools. So um, it's definitely relevant. Well, Chase, I just want to say thanks for the, you know, for answering the questions and, um, uh, and, and good luck the rest of the season. Hopefully we get you back on with that. I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Okay, Chase. I know this year you're working with uh, Atari Racing Enterprises, and your crew chief is Matt Lucas. Talk a little bit about working with him and, and the progress that you're making uh, this season. Oh, I I love Matt. Um, you know, I'll tell people he's uh, he's more than just a, a crew chief to me. Um, we're very close, and. Um, you know, we, we talk and see each other every day. So, um, and that's a huge part, I think, in, you know, being fast at the racetrack, too, is, is having a, a close relationship with each other. And, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I look at him as more than just a crew chief to me. Um, and he's just, he's just been great. He's been a role model for me. He's been a teacher. He, he, he really keeps me calm in the race car. Um, and he, you know, keeps me at a, at a level cooled head and keeps me focused and um, has been a great 
great person to work with for me and is someone I'm very thankful to, to have in my corner. Okay. Now, the tracks that are coming up, what are you looking forward to? Which track are, do you have circled on your calendar? So, I love Richmond. I love Bristol. We get to go back to Kansas. Kansas is one of my favorite racetracks. Um, actually have Homestead up there. I've never been to Homestead, but I I think it'd be a really cool racetrack to race, so I'm actually looking forward to that. Okay. Uh, so definitely uh, uh, looking forward to watching you race there as well. Now, you're, you're going to be uh, racing at Sonoma Raceway this weekend on the road course. Uh, what are you doing to prepare there, the Georgia H250? Um, okay. as, as much film and eye racing that I could possibly do. <laughs> um, I've never, I've never seen that place. Um, so it's definitely going to be new to me. It will be a learning experience all around. Okay. And that is Saturday, June the 11th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern out at Sonoma Raceway out there in California. 75 laps, 149.25 miles. It will be televised, of course, on FS1. Uh, it's time for any shout-outs that you want to do, uh, Chase, before we let you go. Uh, yeah, just all the people, uh, great people I've got to work with this year. Um, um, all the great people at ISIN and David S. Gray for uh, coming on board for a few races he has this year and uh, Bama Buggies. Wouldn't be able to do it without those people, so very thankful for them. Bama Buggies. Yeah, Jay, the guy who had questions for you, he's also from that Mississippi area, so I think you're one of his favorites. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's good. I like to hear that. Okay. Uh, well, Chase, I do hope we get another chance to talk with you somewhere down the road here. And uh, we really enjoyed talking with you here tonight. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. It's been fun. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, good luck this weekend out at Sonoma Raceway. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. All right. That is Chase Purdy. Uh, he is with Toy Racing Enterprises and uh, definitely uh, enjoyed the conversation with Chase Purdy here tonight uh, as he uh, comes off his first top 10 at Gateway, Sal. First top 10. Yeah. Yeah, that was, a, that was a good finish for him. You know what? And, um, you know, it was a really good interview. You know, a lot of interesting, you know, stuff, you know, hearing from him, you know, especially – you know, I, I really like the short track, you know, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the short track part of it. Um, yeah, and he was right about, about when Derek had gotten the, the, the pole. I, I was out there for that, for that race. But yeah. um, either way, you know what, he's, um, you know, I mean, it, you know, just, it just shows, you know, how much, you know, how much more they can bring to the table once they reach this this level of racing, you know, from what they bring, you know, from their, you know, days, you know, running the short tracks. Mm. Yeah, I missed this from Jay, but uh, I don't know if Chase is still listening or not. I'll say it just in case. Uh, but Jay was saying, Chris, and he's talking about Chris Crichton, and I would love to see him come back to Why Not or Columbus if he ever gets the chance to visit that track again. Uh, so, uh 
I know Jay really enjoyed the interview here as well. So uh, that was a fun interview. And uh, Jay, thanks for the questions. And uh, Sal, you too. You brought up some great things too. But now we have to move on because <laughs> uh, now it's time for us to get into that Truck Series race at uh, Gateway. I'll go through the top ten. Uh, Corey Heim won the race. Uh, Christian Eckes came in second. Then it was Chandler Smith, Stuart Friesen, and Johnny Sauter rounds out the top five there. Matt DiBenedetto uh, came in sixth place, followed by Derek Krause, Ben Rhodes, Zane Smith, and Chase Purdy getting that first top ten of the season in the number 61 for Hattori Racing Enterprises. Uh, I will say, uh, let me, I had my stuff up here and I had to move it, so let me see if I can bring it up here again. Um, Chase Purdy uh, was just one of those drivers uh, in that top ten. I'm glad we had a chance to talk to him. Whoops, I, I hit the wrong link. I'm sorry, Sal. I'm going to try to do this again. <clears throat> Here it is, post-race notes. Okay. Uh, the post-race notes here regarding the race winner, who was Corey Hein, uh, age 19, driving the number 51 JBL Toyota uh, for Kyle Busch Motorsports. His crew chief was Marty Lindley. It was his second victory in nine Camping World Truck Series starts. I'm also the winner of the first Triple Truck Challenge Race of the Year. Uh, the next race is at Nashville Super Speedway on June the 24th. It's also the, the second victory in the third top 10 finish this season. His first victory and first top 10 finish in one race at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Christian Eckes posted his first top 10 finish in five races at Gateway. It is his seventh top 10 finish in 2022. Chandler Smith in third posted his second top 10 finish in four races at the track. And Corey Heim was in first, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. So uh, some good uh, results there for Corey Heim. Your thoughts about the top Oh, yeah. Yourself? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a, it was a good finish. Um, you know, uh, once again, Chandler Smith was denied the win, and uh, you know, at the at the heels of his <laughs> of his uh, teammate, you know. Mm-hmm. But hey, uh, like they say, only one person can win the race, you know. And um, you know, and it was Corey Heim. You know, he it kind of seems like he's bringing his his um his not well. They all have their style, but like his just winning ways that he had when he was with Arca and him and uh him and Ty Gibbs, you know, were going, you know, toe to toe, head to head, you know, it seemed like every race it was a Corey Heim Ty Ty Gibbs race. But um, you know, congratulations to Corey being a rookie, getting a win in a in a Cowboys Motorsports truck, you know, you know, Kyle gives them gives them the tools that they need to win races. You know, this is the you know, and this is part of the um Part of the um, uh, the fruit, as I guess as you, as we can call it, the fruit of his labor, exactly. Yep. Um, there were a couple of accidents. Uh, drivers caught up in accidents include Tanner Gray in the number fifteen, 
Also, Chris Wright was caught up in an accident, and so was Taylor Gray. So both of the great uh, boys were caught up in accidents. Uh, an electrical issue for Spencer Boyd, a real gear issue for Brennan Poole, and I still don't know what DVP stands for. Do you, Sal? It was, it's no, for John's name or Chuck. Yeah. Um, I don't, I got no idea what it means. Okay, well, Chandler Smith won the first um, uh, stage, then Ben Rhodes won the second stage, and of course it was Corey Heim winning that third stage. Uh, the race did end under caution. The average speed of the race was 86.397 miles per hour. Uh, there were 11 caution flags for 54 laps and nine, 11 lead changes among just nine drivers. So let's go ahead and hit the points report. Okay. I was going to. I was going to see what the DVP means. Oh, damaged vehicle policy. Ah, oh, damaged vehicle policy. Thank you, Sal. So I keep wondering so what, what that means. Yeah, so what happened was his truck was damaged, and he was on pit lane, and, and he ran out of time. So when he ran out of time, they told him, bro, get it behind the wall. You're out of time. Exactly. So exactly. that's driver, driver, driver. Vehicle policy. policy. Vehicle policy. Okay, damage. Vehicle. They, damage, they should yeah. say driver. Yeah, they should say damage policy. Vehicle. Come on. I mean, this. We're not talking about, you know, uh, you know, a bunch of cars you're seeing a lot. This is a racing car, but either way. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, with the points report, you got um, <clears throat> Ben Rose leading the points, Chandler Smith in second, and Zane Smith in third, John Hunter Nemechek fourth, Stuart Friesen rounds out the top five. And then our top five is still, um, we still see race wins from the top five drivers. So, I mean, at least our top mm-hmm. five, they all have wins. With, of course, Zane Smith well, Corey leading Heim everybody with three. Too. Yeah, I was going to get there. When I got down there, I was going to get to Corey. Because right oh, now we're okay. in the top ten. But either way, yeah, Zane Smith is leading with three. And then from there, then we go down to Christian Eckes in sixth, Ty Majewski seventh. Carson Hosovar in eighth, Matt Craft in ninth, and Grant Infinger rounds out the top ten. And then, of course, when we go down to uh, the 18th spot, with only six starts, is uh, is Corey Hyman, who has who's got two wins of his own. So um, he's also a rookie. So I I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. You know, if he's going to if he's going to burn out his rookie status this year, if he's not going to race enough and and not and not get into the playoffs, you know, and and wait until he probably gets might get a full time ride next season, and then run for rookie of the year. Yes. But I, I okay. think he'll have enough races in. He'll have enough races in if he keeps racing to make the playoffs. He, but you know, she'll be in he, with the two wins. And that's going to be the key thing, and I'm sure they'll keep an eye on that for him as uh, the season progresses. Uh, but Zane Smith is the leader. He's got three race wins. Uh, his playoff points are 20. Uh, the closest one to him is Ben Rhodes, who has 12 playoff points, uh, which is the one race win. So uh, I think as this season continues to wind down, 
in the truck series, it's going to get more competitive uh, for those uh, playoff points because that's going to make a difference in how they line up uh, when the playoffs begin. And exactly. By the way, you know what? And go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, no go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was going to mention oh, no, Carson no, I, I would I would disagree with you. I'd say yeah, you know. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Carson Hosevas, uh had uh, an incident, a wreck, and was unable to get out of his car. They took him to the hospital, uh, and it turns out that I'm not clear if it's a broken ankle or a broken leg, uh, but they were going to do some X-rays today. Uh, and uh, probably help him uh, get on the road to recovery. Uh, I'm just glad that he's okay because that was a very hard hit uh, that he took. Yeah, it was a hard hit. What I think it looked like he was okay when he got out, and then also they brought the stretcher in, and um, you know, and put him in the stretcher. You know, which is you know, it's never a good thing, but it's but then it is a good thing, you know, because you know at least you know that the um, that the safety crew, you know, is doing their job. But when you see him get on a stretcher, you know, of course, you know, everybody's wondering, you know, what happened, you know. And, and if NASCAR doesn't report, well, you know, they could have said, well, you know, his legs are hurting, you know, then, you know. But then everybody and their mother would have jumped on and said, oh, yeah, he has broken legs before even the doctors seen him. You know, okay, so, it must, you know, it's good, you know. That. It must, yeah, that's true, Sal, what you're saying. But, yeah, that was a hard hit. It was a nasty hit. Yeah, it was. There is a post from him on Twitter on June the 5th, that's yesterday. He said, I want to thank all the fans for reaching out since the accident. Definitely feeling the love. I know you're all eager for an update, but I'm waiting on specialist results on my ankle. So it was his ankle before sharing. I'm eager to get back behind the wheel, and we'll update you soon when I know more. So uh, that's the update uh, that I have here from Carson Josefar about Carson Josefar. <laughs> okay, that's that's good. I mean, at least he did up, you know, the update. You know, I, I, what I don't like is when other, you know, sometimes it, I know a lot of them they'll get the PR people to do their update for them, but I, I like when the drivers get in there, you know, because then, you know, especially on Twitter, you know, because then you you can interact with them. Not that they're going to answer, they'll answer a few questions here and there, depending if they're really important. But you know, but at least you know. It came from him, you know. So, so you know, you know, it's, it's genuine. You know, it's, it's the, you know, it's, it's actually happening with him. Yes, indeed. So, um, I'm just glad that he's okay at this point. Okay, Sal, let's go ahead and move on to the uh, Xfinity series. They raced out of Portland. This is the first time uh, that the Xfinity series has raced out at Portland. International Raceway, and uh, the winner there was A.J. Allmendinger. I'm happy because that was my race pick this week for the Xfinity Series. I'm not having a very good year, so any win I can get is a good thing. Uh, A.J. Allmendinger is 40, uh, driving the number 16 Nutrient Ag Solutions Chevrolet for Matthew Collard. Uh, his crew chief is Bruce Schlichter. Schlicker. A.J. Allmendinger won. Uh, it was his 12th victory in 74. 
Xfinity Series races. His second victory in 13th top 10 finish this season and his first victory in first top 10 finish in one race at Portland. Myatt Snyder finished second, posting his first top 10 finish in one race at Portland International Raceway, and it is his, his fourth top 10 finish this season. Austin Hill finished third, posting his first top 10 finish in one race at Portland, and Austin Hill, in that third place, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. So uh, that was really uh, good to see. Uh, he won a wet and wild race at Portland uh, in an action-packed Pacific Office Automation 147. It was the Xfinity Series debut at Portland International Road Course uh, on Saturday afternoon. Despite making 31 adjustments prior to the green flag and going off course four times during the event, A.J. Allmendinger won the Xfinity Series race. Uh, the win is, again, his second of the year, the eighth of his career, extending his record for most wins on a road course in series history. Uh, Mike Snyder picked up his best finish in Jordan Anderson racing history. Austin Hill placed third, then it was Josh Berry, Justin Algauer rounding out the top five. Daniel Hemrick finished sixth, followed by Ty Gibbs, J.J. Yaley, Noah Gregson, Alex LeBay rounds out the top ten. Ty Gibbs picked up his third stage win of the season in the opening stage, while Myatt Snyder picked up his first career stage win in the second stage. There were eight lead changes among six drivers and nine cautions for 26 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 48.883. Your thoughts? about the race results from the top 10 at Portland International Raceway. Yeah, after the second stage and halfway through into the third stage, you had never thought that that was going to be the finishing order, the way they're running. I know. <laughs> um, and, and it's funny because, you know, through all, all this chaos, how does Jesse Luigi take out the race leader under caution? Mm. You know, I know. That, that that that's that's just a little bit of how chaotic this race was. You know, yeah. like you said, everything that AJ Almendinger went through to get the win, you know, and you know, it was good to see him get the win. You know, Matt Snyder, you know, what to you know, grab that second spot but man, mm-hmm. Austin Mill is having one heck of a he's having one heck of a season, you know, finishing third, you know, has finishing rookie. Um, he's well ahead in points, you know, as far as the rookie of the of the year um, award comes along because I think he might be the only rookie that's. Oh no, Sheldon Creed is the other rookie that's running full season. Yep, yep. But um, yeah, but um, Sheldon Creed had his issues too. Boy, I've never seen Sheldon that upset. I don't think they showed on TV, but on um, NASCAR on their Facebook page, they showed how upset Sheldon Creed was oh, you know, yeah. with the with the. With the wreck that he Jesse got into. Wooji is listed as a rookie this season as well. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, that's I know. all another story. Um, the the story. margin of victory, Sal, was uh, 2.879 seconds, and a lot <laughs> of drivers were caught up in accidents, uh, including Parker Chase, Connor Mosack, 
uh, a lot of these on lap 62, Bailey Curley and Anthony Alfredo. On lap 55, it was Sheldon Creed and Jeb Burton. On lap 44, it was Jeremy Clements. Lap 35, Riley Earps. I hated to see that for Riley. Greg Alding in lap yeah. 27. Darren Dilley on lap 25. And Sam Mayer on lap 12, uh, taken out by an accident. So a lot of accidents in this particular event. Yes, there was. And even Noah Gregson had his own little... He had his own little say so after the race. He finished what finished ninth with uh, mm-hmm. uh with one of the drivers, you know, he didn't like the way he raced him, you know. He raced it actually was Ty Gibbs. He raced Ty he raced Ty Gibbs hard and pushed him off the track and when Ty Gibbs gave it back to him, <clears throat> Noah didn't like it and, you know, had some choice words for him after the race, you know, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know I mean it's it was a treacherous track to begin with, racing in the rain, not being able to see, you know, um, plus they, you know, they said the fog was real bad, you know, on the, on the inside of the windshield, you know, for them to, you know, even see out the window. But um, for the fans that were there that did stay and watch in attendance, man, I'll tell you, they, they seen one heck of a, of a crazy race out there, you know, watching them, you know, everybody wants to see NASCAR run in the rain. You know, they finally got what they wanted. They got what they wanted, but I worry about those drivers when they're out there in the rain uh, because it does get wet and wild, as NASCAR puts it. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, at least on the road courses, they're not they're not they're not they're not going as fast as it. like like there's no way they can do it on an oval. You know, there's That's no true. way because first of all, you know, they would be able to see and they would be sliding. They wouldn't be able to make none of the turns, but at least on the road course, you know, they're going slow enough, you know, to where they can, you know, like they said, you know, their breaking points were a lot different than if the track would have been dry, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and it's just one little mistake, you know, and you see the driver spin off and you're like, okay, you know, but um, all in all, you know what, I mean, I don't know how Almondinger came out on top. Well, I don't think he knew how he came out on top if you listen to the post race interview. I think he's still pitching himself. <laughs> I think so. Today, you, uh, know, let's go I, I, you want to do the points now? Yeah, I was going to say let's do the points, but if you've got something else you wanted to say, go ahead oh, no, and say it. Oh, no, oh, no, that was it. I was just going to say he, he probably went back and looked at replay of the race and, and thought he was watching a different race. <laughs> but... So our our points are um, AJ Allmendinger is leading the points, uh, Ty Gibbs in second, Noah Gregson in third, Josh Berry in fourth, Justin Algeyer in fifth, and Brandon Jones uh, round out the top six. If they take the top twelve into the into the playoffs, and once again we have uh, at least uh, one of at least in our top six, each driver has at least a win. With um, mm-hmm. with uh, Ty Gibbs leading the series with three wins of his own, um, and then from there, then we go down to Sam Sam Mayer in seventh, Austin Hill in eighth, highest rookie. Ninth is Daniel Hamrick. Tenth is Landon Castle. Riley Herbst is still in the hunt, and number and eleventh spot and Ryan Sieg rounds out the top twelve with Anthony Alfredo in third, right behind um, Ryan Sieg in the for the top twelve in the um, point standings. Yes, indeed. Um, 
and then Jeff Burton is is behind him, followed by Brett Moffitt and Brandon Brown. Sheldon Creed, the other rookie, is 17th, and Myatt Snyder, who finished second this week, is in 18th place. Alex LeBay had a top 10 finish, so that was really good for him, too. He's 19th, Jeremy Clements, and 20th. Uh, but those guys will have to get a win if they want to get into the playoffs this season. Um, but uh, that bubble, uh, these guys uh, have, have a, their work cut out for them. They're going to have to go for the win. Yes, and you know, and I and I actually I thought we would see more from Sheldon. I thought we'd have already seen a win from Sheldon Creed this year, you know. Yeah, but he's having um, he's having his issues, you know, um, you know, making I guess making the the transition from the trucks to the Xfinity cars. Um, don't know what's going on with him. Uh, you know, he like Josh, Josh. Yeah, the first year, you know, and and um, you know. Uh, but, but like I said, it's good to see Austin Hill, you know, his first year out here too. You know, he's already got he's already got the he's got the one race win and, you know, sitting up in, in eighth spot as a rookie. Yep, he'll make the rookie of the year without victory because it's gonna put him in into the playoffs unless uh, one of the other rookies uh come up with a win before those playoffs begin. Um but uh, I'm real proud of these guys as well. They put on really good shows for us. And uh, the, the, when you look at the playoff points here, it's a little bit tighter. You've got Ty Gibbs with 18 uh, playoff points, Nor Gregson with 16, Josh Berry with 14, and A.J. Allmendinger with 12. Those are the double-digit uh, folks uh, when it comes to playoff points. But it's a lot tighter there. Oh yeah, you know, and then um you know, we we look at their playoff points, you know, um you know, actually between Ty Gibbs and Noah Gregson and Josh Burry, they're they're pretty close. And even even AJ Allmendinger at twelve. But you're, you're yeah. looking at eighteen, sixteen, fourteen and twelve uh, you know, playoff points. So, um you know, Ty Gibbs is doing what he has to do. He's got the three stage wins. Noah has six stage wins, but only um sixteen uh playoff points. Mhm. The two wins help. The two wins—that's five points apiece for every win that you get. So uh, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Okay, uh, I know we're a little bit early here, uh, but let's go ahead and move on to the Cup Series. They raced for the very first time at WWT Raceway at Gateway. And uh, that was really cool to see uh, those guys win. That was an amazing finish uh, in that race uh, at Gateway. Yes, it definitely was. Okay, the NASCAR Cup Series. Um, Why don't you tell me there's no report? Because there isn't. Maybe there is no report here for the race notes. Yeah, they keep telling me there's no report. Okay, so let's go to the Cup Series. Um, oh, yeah, it's, the it's endure- Okay, well, maybe it's on uh, J-Stu. I'm just not seeing it. No, it's on J-Ski, because that's, that's where you read it from anyways, right, from J-Ski? Yeah, but I, I'm telling you, I don't see it in the NASCAR site. 
Okay, so let's okay. go ahead and, and do this. I can't seem to get to the uh, race page. Uh, at here, let me try it from here. Race page. Okay, here we go. Now I've got it spelled. Okay, uh, Joe Logano won the inaugural Enjoy Illinois 300 presented by Ticket Smarter. It was his 29th victory in 400 in the 86 Cup Series races. His second victory and seventh top 10 finish this year, and his first victory and first top 10 finish in one race at WWT Raceway. Kyle Busch finished second. It was his first top 10 finish in one race at the Gateway, and it is his is 11 top 10 finish this season. Brother Kurt Bush posted uh, a third place finish for his first top 10 finish in one race at Gateway. And Austin Sendrick, who finished 11th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Joy Logano, wow, what a duel those two put on. Uh, with Kyle Bush in an overtime debut race at Gateway in front of packed grandstands. Uh, Joy Logano beat Kyle Bush in an intense overtime battle. Uh, Ross Chastain ate a gigantic piece of humble pie after, and then after a brake loader failure, sent Kevin Harvick's Ford rocketing into the turn three wall on lap 236 of the scheduled 240. Uh, Bush, as the leader, picked the outside lane. Joy Logano lined up beside Bush to the inside with teammate Ryan Blaney right behind him. But it was Joey Logano who won that inaugural Enjoy Illinois 300 uh, at Gateway. The, again, the second win of the year, the 24th of his career. Uh, Kyle Busch finished second, followed by Kurt Busch, Ryan Blaney, Eric Almirola, Ryan Truex, I'm sorry, Martin Truex Jr., uh, at, then it was Eric Jones, Ross Chastain, Christopher Bell, and A.J. Allmendinger. The race ended after one overtime attempt. Harvick bought, brought out a late race caution. Bush, who had taken the lead with 12 laps left, had the lead on the restart, but was passed by Joy Logano coming to the white flag. Logano held on to win by more than a half a second. The pole winner, Chase Briscoe, had to pit from the lead early in the race. He finished 24th. Stage one was won by Austin Sendrick. Stage two by Kurt Busch. There were 12 lead changes among nine drivers and 10 cautions for 53 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race, 97.965 miles per hour. Again, Sal, your thoughts about the top 10 here in the Enjoy Illinois event. Yeah, that last... That last um, that last uh, restart, man, Joey and um, Kyle really put on a heck of a show for the fans. They you did. know, slide job, slide job, you know, and finally at the end, you know, it was Joey that came crossover. out on top. Yeah, it was a crossover, and um, you know, Kurt was right there waiting, and just in case something happened between them two, you know, he was ready to pounce on that win. He certainly was. Uh, it was a fantastic finish to a race, and they made it a clean win. Nobody bumped each other. They, they bumped each other, but they didn't knock each other out of the race. Uh, and I thought it was uh, a very exciting finish uh, for the, the team. Uh, one driver 
Uh, we talked about it. Kevin Harvick was out because of an accident when he hit that wall. And then um, uh, a po- uh, Cody Ware had a power issue. And uh, also he was out on lap 166. Corey LaJoy had an engine issue on lap 72 that took him out of the race. And again, that margin of victory point six by five um, thousandths of a second. So uh, pretty exciting finish there. Any other surprises for you in this race? We should talk about the Ross Chastain, Denny Hamlin thing, and Chase Elliott. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really catch any of the Chase Elliott thing. I think the Ross Chastain kind of took, I think it kind of took center stage over, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, gosh, I mean, you know, he didn't, he didn't know what to say about it. I mean, he was just dumped on it. I mean, he's been a, a professional driver, you know, you don't expect to make those mistakes time after time after time, you know, but, I mean, he owned up to it, you know, and he was pretty down on himself for it, you know what, and, um, you know, but we've always known Ross Chastain to be that kind of a driver anyways. You know, he's, you know, he's not afraid, you know, to take responsibilities, you know, for his own actions. Yes, that is so true. And it was so, you know, I'm so used to seeing Ross Chastain with a big smile on his face no matter what. And uh, it was kind of sad to see him uh, so down on himself after that race. Uh, but I, I am proud of him for taking ownership of the situation and, uh, you know, accountability for that. And I think uh, that went a long way, I think, with Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott as well. Because Denny Hamlin said it. He said he himself, you know, they've all had to go through that at some point in their career um, uh, and, and realize that they have to make change how they race when you're racing in a premier series like the Cup Series. Yeah, with the Danny Hamlin also doing his little, you know, wow, you know, he should know better, you know, and, you know, his little things like yeah. that, you know, instead of just accept, you know, instead of just accepting, you know, the apology for what it was, you know, hey, you know what, yeah. it's a racing, you know, I messed up, you know what, okay, you know, and like he's like, like Ross said, you know, he goes, you know, it's not going to go unforgotten, you know, so he's expecting payback, you know, somewhere in the future, you know, from him, you know, you know, you know, and he, he said that, you know, and, but, you know, I don't know. That's just Denny Hamlin's demeanor. I agree with you on, yes, Denny Hamlin's demeanor, because there were, he was doing that with more than just Chastain on the track. It seemed like he's taking it upon himself to be the NASCAR police in, in uh, you know, <laughs> exacting uh, uh, some kind of penalty to drivers who aren't driving the way he thinks they should be. And I wish he wouldn't do that. <laughs> Nobody has assigned you know, him that role. Well, you know, when you win a championship or two championships, then you can run your mouth. But until you win a championship... You know, you need to just keep your pie holes shut. Well, you know, and even NASCAR you know had I mean? to intervene, Sal. NASCAR even intervened. Yeah. They said that's enough. Uh, and they told him, we've yeah. made your point. Now back off. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he's. You win, that's why I said if you win a championship, then, you, you, know, you know, then you're given a little bit more room to talk. But, I mean, you know, he, he, 
he just he's just been a whiner his whole career, but that's neither here nor there. I didn't hear anything about what Chase said, though. What did Chase say? Chase, I don't. They didn't do an interview with him, so I haven't heard anything from Chase either. Let me look on Twitter and see if there's anything on Twitter from Chase. Um, Chase might have just let it go. You know what? Heard, you know, he heard he heard the interview. You know, and probably thought, you know, why am I gonna add, you know, and make myself look like an idiot? You know, yeah, he, he apologized. Yeah, exactly. You know what? And we just go on to the, you know, we'll just go on to the next race. You know what? There's there's other races coming up. You know, what 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 Chase by fear what it, what happened happened. You can't go back and you know and and that's the problem with Hamlin. He he keeps going on and on about it. You know, like you know, like 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 NASCAR's going to say, okay, you know what? We're going to change the outcome, or we're going to give you brownie points, or you know, or something. You know, and when it's over, it's over. I mean, you got to look at you know the near next race coming up. But Danny just likes, you know. I mean, when you're sitting 19th in points, sure you got two wins, but you're 19th in points. You know, of course you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, you know, you're gonna feel like that. You know, um, his teammate doing too well either. I mean, Kurt's doing better than him. You know, uh, you know, the team he owns. But then when you look at Bubba Wallace, yeah, he's having a rough year, and it's gonna continue. It's not gonna get any better. I mean, he's got to just. You gotta learn gotta sometimes how not to just say nothing. Yeah, yeah just not I say nothing. You know what? Hey, you know what happened? You know, hey, Ross. You know what? No problem. You know what, bro? You know, I heard you. We can't do nothing about it. Let's just move on. Yeah, I'm sure we're you going know, to but, talk about this during our hot topic sound off here tonight as well. But it's always good to get your thoughts on on things like this too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Move on. I mean, you know, you got you got a race coming up this weekend. You know what? Focus on that. You know, fo- fo- focus mm-hmm. on what you got coming up, not, not what's already happened. You know, and and that's even in, in life, in general too. You know what? There's some things we just can't change, and it's already happened. You know, and even well, at my age, I'm still learning that. You know, trying to let things well, go. You know, and not go back. But yeah, not let it eat at you. Uh, I know yeah. on SiriusXM today too. I can't remember which show it was on, so I apologize for that. Uh, I think it might have been Larry McReynolds who said he he he, he hopes that the guys there at Trackhouse Racing sit down with uh, Ross and help him kind of put this behind him. He was so hard on himself, but he said I hope he doesn't. Uh, completely lose his racing style. That racing style is what's gotten him to where he is. Uh, we know it's an aggressive racing style. All of the drivers know he's an aggressive racer. Um, and uh, he just has to kind of tweak it a little bit, I guess. Uh, and, and, and he knows that. Uh, so let's give him the time to make the tweaks that he needs to make. Uh, but I don't want him to lose that passion he has for the race either and and to go after every spot he can get. Uh, I will say he was racing a little bit too hard, probably too early in the race. So he's got to learn to kind of temper that maybe just a little bit. Yeah, which is, you know, which is true, you know, and, and it's understandable, you know, we're not, we're not robots. Mm-hmm. You know, we're humans, you know, they're humans, just they're human, just like us. They're the only thing is they're a race car driver. You know, and we're exactly not, right. you know, and, 
you know what, and, and I mean, you know, and, and I mean, but at least, you know, at least his, his apology was genuine. It just wasn't something that was said, you know, just to shut everybody up, you know, and say, okay, you know what? I mean, his, his, his apology was genuine, you know, it came it from was the heart. Sincere. You know, and, and, yeah, it was sincere, you know, and, and he meant it, you know, and, um, you know, it's just too bad that, you know, one guy just can't take it for that, you know, has to, you know, throw coals on the fire per se, you know, and, and, you know, yeah. and then he wonders why he gets booed, you know, I mean, shoot. <laughs> I mean, really come on, dude, you read the booze upon yourself. Yeah. Okay, before we run out of time, Sal, let's get to the points report. Okay, our points report is Casey Elliott is leading the points. Kyle Busch is the second. Uh, Ross Chastain is still holding on to that third spot. Ryan Blaney in fourth. Martin Truex Jr. in fifth. Joy Logano in sixth. Kyle Larson in seventh. And Alex Bowman round out the top eight and uh, we're still waiting for that win from Brian Blaney, and we're still waiting for that win from Martin Truex Jr. I know. I was hoping this weekend might be the weekend. I actually picked him, and I said, no, every time I pick him and he has a bad race, I'm not going to pick him. I'm going to pick somebody else. And guess who I picked, Sal? No. Instead of Martin. Who, Larson? No, I couldn't take Larson. He was already taken. I ended up picking. Yeah, I, um, I ended up taking um, Chase Briscoe, or not Chase Briscoe, Ross Chastain. <laughs> oh, Ross Chastain! Wow. <laughs> Is who I picked because he's, he's pick. won there before at Gateway, and I thought that might give him a little bit of an advantage. Uh, but I was really hoping and Martin Trex Jr. was going to pull off that win. He was leading there for a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, these guys, uh, you're right. These guys still are looking for a win. In addition to uh, Blaney and Truex, um, we're also looking for wins from Christopher Bell, Eric Almarola, Tyler Reddick, and Kevin Harvick. Uh, in fact, along with Eric Jones, Austin Dillon, those guys are all in the top 16, but there's Kurt Busch in 17th that's going to displace Austin Dillon. There's Austin Sindrick in 18th place. He's going to displace Eric Jones. So those guys fall below the cut line uh, because of the wins. Denny Hamlin has two wins. So that takes us another step up. That displaces, well, it won't displace Chase Briscoe. It actually displaces Kevin Harvick. So I think this is one of those years, Sarah, where you're going to need a win if you want to get in. Exactly. That, that's what that's what I'm looking at it now too, because it's it's getting it's getting to about to about uh to about that point, you know. Um, you know, I mean, you got to secure your spot in there. I mean, Harvick isn't safe, you know. Um, no. I don't you know, think Eric, uh, Eric Jones isn't safe. Austin Dillon isn't safe. You know, and I think they're they're going to start as a well. Of course, as the weeks go on, they're going to start feeling the heat more and more and more, and wondering, you know, hey, you know, I need that win, you know, in order to uh, in order to advance. Exactly, and uh, so that's something to keep your eye on as this season progresses. 
is the, the if any other drivers from below that cut line win, uh, it means it displaces one more driver that's above the cut line. And uh, they end up on the outside looking in unless they can get a win. So uh, definitely something to keep your eye on as the season continues. We're on race number 15 now uh, of the series. So it's going to be exciting. Yep, we're getting down to the end to where, you know, every um, every every position is going to be the difference between making it in or not making it in at all. Exactly. And uh, I know a lot of these drivers, it's going to be really weird if Kevin Harvick isn't in the playoffs, don't you think? Yeah, it, it will be. I mean, when you think about it, it will be because we're used to him being in there. Or Ryan Blaney or Martin Truex. I think it would be a shame if, if those guys, like, in fourth and fifth spot. Um, yeah, And it's possible that more people from below that cut line could come up with wins. So uh, we'll see what happens as the season progresses. Uh, so, Sal, are you going to be at a racetrack this weekend? Yeah, I might I might go up to Erndale. I think Ur, I know Erndale has some racing this weekend, so I'll probably go up there and uh, check out some uh, pro late models and then whatever else they have on their schedule. Okay, well I hope you have a safe travel uh, weekend and you enjoy the races. And uh, I'm really excited about the races out at Sonoma this weekend, uh, Sonoma Raceway. So. Uh, they should be fun races to watch. Yeah, I wish I could have gone. I, sh- I should have put something together, but it's just, gosh. Oh, I know, there's so it's much. Just, it, it's tough, yeah. So, well, thanks for being on, Sal, and uh, I really enjoyed the interview with Chase Purdy, and and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again on next Monday night. All right. Good night, everybody. Have a good, have a good, uh, and a safe weekend. All right, Sal. All right. Uh, that concludes our our review part of the show, and now we're ready for our NASCAR hot topic sound off. Uh, Andy and Mike and Tommy uh, were all uh, busy tonight, so unfortunately, uh, they will not be here. But fortunately, we do have. Uh, Jay Huseman available tonight for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. So welcome to the show, Jay. Well, thank you, Sharon. It's a shame they got to miss this one. I think uh, the entire Hot Topic time could just be spent talking about (laughs) the Gateway, uh, the Cup Series coming to Gateway and what that brought. Because I can't remember the last time I looked forward to an event with such excitement and coming out of it that it lived up to all expectations. I guess maybe the Coliseum. Yeah, that was another one, yeah. It really exceeded expectations, I think, the Coliseum did. And I guess you could say the same thing for Gateway uh, for the Cup Series. (laughs) There was a lot of exciting racing. And, uh, you know, I don't know how A.J. Allmendinger won that Portland race. Uh, with everything that he had to go through. I think he was as amazed as anybody that he was able to get to victory lane. 
You know, and as with all the excitement following the cup race, uh, th- yeah, that kind of got put to the back burner, but you're right. Uh, that race out in Portland definitely uh, was very entertaining, and, and you never knew how it was going to turn out due to the due to the weather. And um, we can go with that as a hot topic, thinking about it, why they don't necessarily have an oval track out there in Portland. The weather is like that, um, where it mm-hmm. rains, mist, you know, and is. So the road course with it, with Portland International Raceway, actually worked really well because then they could use the wet weather tires. And I know there's a debate about whether or not that's good racing then. Um, it definitely was entertaining. Uh, you know, I don't know that you could say it wasn't entertaining. Exactly right. It was very entertaining. And um, uh, the gateway race, I did. I was able to catch uh, the last part of that gateway race. And then I also watched... Uh, the beginning part this morning on the replay on Fox Sports 1. So uh, I really enjoyed that race as well. Uh, and let's, I'll let you pick the first hot topic. Do you want to start with the Xfinity race, or how did you want to start this off, too? Well, yeah, let's go with the Xfinity race. Uh, again, another new one uh, that I definitely was looking forward to. Um, like I said, I know the rain and weather comes into play when you talk about a, a race like that, but uh, overall, I thought it was a good race, and, and you mentioned it, A.J. Allmendinger coming away with the win. Uh, what, what did they say prior to the start of the race? He went to the back to start the race because they had made 31 yes. changes, everything but the motor. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So many changes that he went through in the up and down part of the day, starting at the back, racing his way to the front. Um, and and just the unknown of racing in the wet weather the way he did. Now, he won in carts there uh, at Portland, so he has some familiarity with the track, even though this was the first time uh, that the Xfinity Series has raced at Portland International Raceway. Uh, A.J. Allmendinger had a previous win at that track, so I'm sure that helped. But... Um, uh, the, I thought it was uh, still an entertaining race uh, for those drivers. Uh, I, I would imagine it was stressful, more stressful for the drivers than it was for us. I can, I can only imagine, um, you, you, starting with A.J. Allmendinger, wasn't happy with the car. They changed everything. They had to start at the back uh, after making even more changes after qualifying. And, and I forgot off the course prior to coming to the green flag, didn't even get to take the green flag and he was off course and had to pit. You know, you're just looking at it like Kyle Larson a couple of weeks ago. That's a, that's a start to a rough day. And with the way everything played out, you know, he still comes back and wins. Um, Going into a road course, odds have to be as AJ as one of the favorites at at a top odds. As they started the race in the beginning of it, I I imagine those odds uh, went up or came down actually um, but went back up there at the end as, as he came back through. And we saw a lot mm-hmm. of different activity up front, which, uh, you know, we always like to see. I understand the weather plays a, a part of it, but road coursing in itself tends to lean, lend itself towards that. We saw that at, uh, at Coda with some bumping and banging, some pushing and some shoving, some hurt mm-hmm. feelings and uh, fingers up in the air. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we saw that this weekend. Um so, yeah, you know, the weather, and, and I say this wasn't, I don't mind the racing in the rain. What we saw at COTA, uh, what's that, was two years ago, 
that went over the line of that's no longer good racing at all. You know, I mean, that those wrecks mm-hmm. happened because you literally could not see in front of you. Um, any kind of weather and wet track, you're going to get the spray and have yes. issues, but not like you did at last year. So, Yeah. Was that last year's? Okay. I couldn't remember which event it was, but yeah. So this was, like I said, there was still good racing. We got the strategy and I got to see that at Road America the year I went. As the track dried up, the strategy of slick tires versus wet tires, and, you know, if you choose one way or the other, the groove you've got to run, to keep, depending on your tires. So, overall, I thought that it was a good race. Yeah, I thought it was good, too, for the Xfinity Series. Uh, I would imagine, I know A.J. Allmendinger said that uh, when they scheduled him to run in the Cup Series, uh, race, uh, it didn't occur to them that they were also going to be important on that same weekend. So it kind of was a, a big weekend for A.J. Allmendinger having to fly from the West Coast back to the Midwest in order to run a gateway in the Cup Series the next day. Uh, but Ben Rhodes was able to uh, uh, qualify in practice and kind of get the setup right for A.J. Allmendinger. They made some mod- uh, modifications for him on Sunday uh, in the seat. Uh, but uh, I thought he did really great. And yeah, I believe he even came back. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I want to say he was 10th in the uh, cup race, wasn't he? Yeah, he ended up 10th in the in the cup race. Uh, we can so, for A.J. Allmendinger College Racing, for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, but, yeah, I hope they go back to Portland. Um, I haven't seen what the drivers have said about it. Have you seen anything from the drivers? Did they enjoy it or no? I I think so. And, and the one thing you got to say of, I know, inaugural events, uh, the beginning of it, you always see the influx, but – even with the weather and the rain, they said that that place stayed packed, you know, for practice, mm-hmm. qualifying, uh, in the weather itself. You know, fans just out there and enjoying it anyway. And, you know, unfortunately, on an oval track, unfortunately, normally when it rains, you end up not being able to do anything because they got to stop and wait to to be able to continue racing in it. You know, obviously helps. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see um, how next year's goes. And you're right, I do hope they go back to Portland Right now, they, they obviously have full support for it, and I think it was a, a good racing product. We talked about it on the preview show. You had Connor Mozak actually coaching the <laughs> uh, Joe Gibbs teams, Ty Gibbs and uh, Brandon Jones, because of his experience on that track. That was his first uh, Xfinity Series start, but they said that these drivers went to him for advice because he had experience on that track. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, what what's our next hot topic, uh, Jay? Well, we'll try and keep it <laughs> just to I the gateway, gateway. Yeah, well, well, we'll get into one, obviously, and there's two or three levels to that. But the gateway race itself with the Cup Series, um, what were your thoughts on that? Uh, I know we've seen the trucks in Xfinity there before, but to have the Cup Series there. Uh, I thought uh, it was a good race. Uh, I really enjoyed the interview that we did with Connor, uh, with uh, Chase Purdy earlier in the show. I asked him about the track itself and some of the differences uh, 
some of the things that make it stand out as gateway. And he said uh, the big thing is the differences between one and two and three and four. And the shifting that they have to do at that track, uh, I asked him, you know, I noticed Kurt Bush or Kyle Bush, I guess it was, uh, went from two shifts in turns one and two to one shift in that turn. He said he did the same thing. So um, uh, it's a unique track. Uh, it's short track racing. A lot of the uh, announcers talked about it being very similar to what they saw at um, Martinsville with uh, not everybody leading the track feeling real happy with their competitors. Uh, but And how difficult it is to pass at that track uh, was one of the things that I think made that a difficult race for some of the drivers. Uh, but I thought they put on a good show uh, that that race at the end between Joey Logano and Kyle Busch, uh, they did some bumping and banging, but they didn't take each other out, which I really appreciated. And uh, uh, I thought it was an exciting finish. You know, I heard a lot of them talking about comparing it to Phoenix as far as the car setup and the expected drivability of the car going with their Phoenix notes. But I'm with you and a lot of people. To me, it was Martinsville. The one thing I will say is that there was an outside lane. At Martinsville, you really don't have much of a chance when you get shuffled up the outside. And we've seen that in the past, and and I go back to Martin Truex. you still got to work your way to the bottom, but you can do it without pushing and shoving. you just got to really work at it and set set your uh, pass up. Um, There Mm -hmm. at Gateway, you could make moves on the outside. So I like that. Of You still had the bumping and banging, a little bit of pushing, and we know that. We saw that. Um, but there was, like you mentioned, the finish of the race was good, actual side-by-side racing, clean racing. And I'll say, give the shout-out to Joey Logano. Uh, there was good, mm-hmm. clean racing and pass there. Um, so we didn't have any issues on that end uh, at the finish of the race. There was more throughout the race, but we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> Yeah, was there anything more you wanted to say, Jeff? No, I, I'm pulling up, uh, let's see, I got. I think it was Adam Stern had posted it. They have announced. You said you didn't know about Portland, but uh, St. Louis uh, paper has announced, what was it? The, it says the NASCAR Cup Series will return to Gateway in 2023 per St. Louis Today, STL Today. Um, and that's per a tweet per Adam Stern. Uh, another one, I don't see how they wouldn't. Overall, again, with the pre-race activities, from what I've heard of the city oh, welcoming, welcoming Cup Series in, you know, and that is a, a very sports-orientated uh, town to begin with. I know that's where they host the Gateway Nationals at the Dome now for dirt track racing inside a dome. Yes, the, the city is very welcoming to race fans. I, I'd have to say that and agree with that. So I don't see why they wouldn't come back. And I, and I hate to say it because I'm from the Chicagoland area. I lived there for 40 years, uh, and I love the Chicagoland Speedway. But I will say that's one of the things that I think they struggled with, and they mentioned it on the broadcast, uh, that what Gateway did so well is they involved the other short tracks that are in the area. And uh, they really uh, uh, went to that fan base, and they responded. And I wish Matt, I wish Chicagoland Speedway had done more of that. Uh, 
I think Chicago Land Speedway kind of presented themselves as being more elite than the local short tracks, and that I will agree was a mistake. Uh, I think they should have embraced the local short tracks around them and involved them in in uh, welcoming uh, NASCAR to the Chicago Land Speedway. Um, and, and I don't mean to be bad-mouthing them because you know how I feel about Chicago Land Speedway. Uh, but when you look at it uh, and what the difference was between – and Chicago Land used to pack in uh, fans at that track. There was a time when you could not get a ticket to Chicago Land Speedway because it was sold out way before the event. Um, but in the later years – uh, they kind of lost ground on that. And uh, I think uh, Gateway and the St. Louis community really did some great things. And one of the pet peeves that I had, and I know Pete Pistoni brought this up uh, quite a lot as well, is we never saw the Chicago Tribune or the Chicago newspapers at the track covering uh, that race. Uh, and I wish we would have seen more of the local media at the track covering the racing uh, that was taking place. When Robin Reed was in Chicago, she used to bring attention to the Speedway, but she was one of the few people who did. And uh, uh, I think that's what, uh, that's what St. Louis did so well. Uh, they, they brought all of those uh, parties together, and uh, it sure showed at the track. Well, and the one good thing about Chicagoland, I, hate, I hated to see that track go away as well, um, as it has, at least for right now. We don't know the f- exact future, but they, they had great on-track racing. Now, like you said, they yes. could have done more on the promotion side of it and the community side of it. And as you were talking, I remember when we talked with uh, David Hyatt at, at Iowa, the amount mm-hmm. that he was doing, like you said, with the other tracks in the area, with the community. I mean, they had what they called their Iowa Speed Weeks, and they had stuff at the campground, movie nights, and different things all throughout the week leading up to the race, and I think even the week after, um, combining it with different things in the community. So that is very important. And you know, hopefully other tracks have learned from this, and it, it's just natural your inaugural events, we think about the Brickyard 400. I know my dad tried to get tickets to that. You couldn't get it. But you can't just then ride that. You've got to maintain that. You know, you can't then, oh, it's good, and just stop. You know, Mike always says this. You know, you can just sit on your laurels um, until it's too late, and you can't recover. So I think that's an important takeaway that these tracks need to watch. Exactly right. And, and when you looked at the list of entertainment, uh, fans got a big bang for their buck at Gateway this weekend because they had all kinds of entertainers at the track, entertaining fans throughout the weekend. And uh, it, was, it wasn't just a one-day event. It was a weekend experience, which is, is what NASCAR has built their reputation on. And, and Gateway certainly lived up to that this weekend. Key thing is to, is to keep it going. You know, don't then then just sit back and, and let it ride. Is to to make sure uh, that continues uh, in order to keep the date and keep fans engaged and involved. Well said, Jay. Okay, let's go ahead and move on now to the next hot topic. 
All right. We, we've been dancing around it. We'll, we'll get to it. We had uh, Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain, or Ross Chastain versus the field, however you want to put it, but it was highlighted uh, with <laughs> Denny Hamlin. Uh, I know the first one I put up well actually was. I didn't, yeah, that was one of them that was uh, clearly involved. Um, first off, I, I, I saw where NASCAR did apparently warn Denny Hamlin enough was enough. So we had Chastain get into Hamlin. He was lapsed down. He never came out and outright wrecked Chastain, but he did some. He didn't just make it hard to pass him. He did some serious maneuvering uh, uh, throughout the Ran race. Ran him down there. on the you know, apron. <laughs> yeah, there was there was some definitely. So NASCAR did step in and tell him enough and enough. But uh, I know a lot of fans, as I saw on Twitter, definitely enjoyed that portion of it. Yes, uh, Denny Hamlin. Uh, you know, I, I like Denny Hamlin. Please don't take this as I don't like Denny Hamlin. I just think that Denny Hamlin is full of himself sometimes. Um, and I think uh, he kind of assigned himself as the, the uh, I don't want to say police, but the, the monitor, the race monitor uh, to exact uh, uh, the coming up and on the racetrack this weekend because he did it with more than just Ross Chastain. He did it with some other, uh, and in one case it wasn't even, I think he, he uh, exacted uh, some uh, Hamlin penalties to um, uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and it wasn't even Ricky's fault. So that, I think that Denny Hamlin needs to kind of just chill out a little bit. I understand where he's coming from. I understand the frustration that he had, but I think he took it a little bit too far. Um, I, I under, and I think Ross Chastain understands. Uh, you know what happened ruined Chase Elliott's day. It ruined Denny Hamlin's day. Those guys are upset about it. They have every right to be upset about it. But I, I think there's. A point where you take it a little bit too far, and I think in in the case of uh, Denny Hamlin uh, with NASCAR intervening, that says it all. He took it a little bit too far. Um, Ross Chastain was very remorseful. Uh, I'm so used to seeing Ross Chastain with a big smile on his face and and happy, uh, happy, happy go lucky, if you will. Uh, but he was. He was pretty down on himself this weekend uh, after the race. He knew he made mistakes. He knew he was making the same mistakes over again and mistakes that he shouldn't be making at this level of racing. And he said that. Um, And uh, he knows that he probably has some payback coming to him and that life's going to be difficult uh, moving forward. Uh, Denny Hamlin made the comment that, uh, you know, you choose – uh, a place to exact uh, payback when it's going to hurt the most. Uh, so, unfortunately, that's going to happen for Ross Chastain, and he knows it. Uh, I feel bad for him uh, because I don't think he made those mistakes intentionally necessarily. Uh, but uh, I do think that uh, – uh, He's doing some soul searching, and he's going to try not to make those mistakes again. Uh, and and we'll see what happens moving forward. But but um, I'm glad that NASCAR intervened. 
uh, when it comes to what Denny Hamlin was trying to do on the track there. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, there is so many things to talk about here, and I know we got eight minutes before we hit the uh, the tie, the mark where you got to make your announcement. And if you have to interrupt me, feel free, because like I said, there's a lot going on here just with uh, mm-hmm. Ross Chastain. Um, as you said, he did say, hey, I'll have to field an apology. I've made the mistakes. Um, you know, and I, I was talking to my mom, and she said, I've never seen this. I didn't know Ross Chastain was like that. And I said, well, if you watched him in the Xfinity and when he first came into Cup, his statement was, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to win races. He had changed <laughs> that. As you become a top driver and a winner, which he is now in this equipment, that changes, you know, uh, not to say you don't still bump and run or, you know, push, push people around a little bit, but that does change because of the way they race you. It goes back to that. Um, mm-hmm. And he had changed, um, apparently had a bad day and was, like he said, making some mistakes. And you're right. He, he, he said he felt horrible. He was embarrassed um, for himself, for mm-hmm. his team. He felt like he embarrassed his team. So I understand that. And he said, hey, I know I got some payback coming. Um, I, starting with the, the Chase Elliott one, I really don't feel that one was necessarily Ross's fault. They were three wide. He was in the middle. You could say it was Chase's fault for being on the outside. You could say it was his fault for being in the middle. You could say it was the fault of the guy on the bottom that slid up. Um, that one I felt was more of a racing incident. The mm-hmm. other thing I'd say, and this goes back to, you mentioned uh, Denny Hamlin involved with Ricky Stenhouse. It started with Bubba Wallace, Ricky Stenhouse getting mm-hmm. into Bubba Wallace. Denny Hamlin happened to be behind it. He's the car owner for Bubba Wallace went up there and, like you said, exacted some revenge there. That I, I have a little bit more of an issue with because you're acting out as a mm-hmm. team owner, you know. Um, and, and Mike has brought this up. Is his focus, Denny Hamlin's focus on his team as a driver and the championship, or is it on being an owner and what's going on over at 2311? So, yeah, I, I think maybe he needs to get that in check of what role he's in, what hat he's wearing at the time. That one too, though we've seen we talked you talked about uh, Chase Purdy in the interview shifting and whatnot. I'm not going to say that Ricky Stenhouse or Ross Chastain because Chastain said he was driving deep into some of these corners and that's why he was hitting people. But some of the ones in front were checking up to set and turn into the corner. Well, if you slow down and the guy behind you can drive in deeper or harder, you're going to have that contact. So to mm-hmm. me, it was racing short track racing um now can some of it be prevented like chastain said yeah i drove in too deep uh i didn't hear from stenhouse what his statement was going to though then denny hamlin's on track uh the one i found most funny and i you know i feel like ross definitely got some of his payback there it was a restart started alongside chase elliott chase elliott didn't wreck him run him up to the wall pushed him out of the way as he gathered it up and got it straight again, along comes Denny Hamlin, who did the same thing, mm-hmm. and he had to check up and gather it up again. Um, and I will say this, going back to uh, Joey Logano and Matt Kenseth. Matt Kenseth targeted Logano, drove him into the wall, and stuffed him in the wall. That didn't, mm-hmm. We didn't see that. And that's where I'm like, you know, I don't know if NASCAR felt it might still be coming, and that's why they made the statement. Denny Hamlin laps down slower was out of everybody's way until it came to Chastain, and he never mm-hmm. drilled him. Uh, like I said, he ran him down to the apron, um, 
if you watch the Indy 500, you see when they do S uh, racing S's down the front straightaway. Yeah, I saw Hamlin do that. I think he covered uh, five lanes on a three-lane track there mm-hmm. to keep uh, Chastain behind him. Like I said, I thought it was entertaining, and he never outright put him in the wall. Um, so I was okay with it. Now, whether NASCAR said, okay, it's enough, you know, it is getting to affect other drivers, or we're afraid you're going to cross the line. And then Hamlin made the comment, it's still coming at a better time when it's going to cost you. We'll see what Mm -hmm. happens down the road. And I'll take a breath. (laughs) Okay, well, and I think the other part of that is that he was holding up Ross Castain, and Ross was having a hard time meeting minimum speed. And I think that's when NASCAR said enough is enough. Uh, once he was able to get by, he was able to make minimum speed. Uh, but it was at the point where Ross Chastain was going to be penalized and taken off the black flag uh, and taken off the track for not meeting minimum speed. So I think NASCAR had to intervene at that point in order for Ross Chastain to be able to do, uh, to meet the minimum speed to stay in the race. Uh, he did end up with a top 10 finish. Uh, and I know that's a sting uh, for both Chase Elliott and, and um, uh, Denny Hamlin. They didn't want him to get that uh, kind of a finish. Uh, but uh, uh, payback's going to be really tough on Ross Chastain. We know it's coming. Maybe those guys will kind of reconsider it, knowing just how hard he was on himself. I will say on Sirius XM, I did hear Larry McReynolds say, uh, that he hopes, he knows Ross was really hard on himself. He hopes that the people there at Track Out Racing sit down with him and say, keep in mind it's your aggressive racing style that's gotten you to where you are. We don't want you to necessarily change your racing style. You just need to make that tweak uh, as far as driving too deep into the corner. Uh, and, uh, you know, that has to be tweaked. But don't change your passion for winning these races. We are at that part of the show where I do need to make an announcement for our first-time listeners. We are going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, and uh, we are going to continue talking, but we will record beyond that 10.30 time frame so that you can hear the rest of the conversation as part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. What I'll do is I'll go out on Twitter to let you know that the podcast is available, and that's at Fan Racing site. Um, and at that point, you can fast forward to the two-hour mark on our player at FanFracing.com to hear the rest of the conversation. We just don't want you to be caught off guard when we go off air in the middle of a sentence and not know how you can hear the rest of the conversation. So uh, with that, uh, I guess, Jay, um, was there anything else that you wanted to say? Yeah, you know, you brought up an interesting point. I didn't realize this uh, or had even heard it from the previous week. Uh, It's kind of a little separate uh, topic, but getting up to minimum speed after you're involved in a wreck, and uh, I believe it's, uh, what do you have, three laps to get up to minimum speed Mm -hmm. uh, or one lap? I don't remember. Um, And in the case of Ross Jastain, he was on the crash clock out there trying to get his minimum lap time in the uh, whatever prescribed amount of laps, um, and Denny Hamlin was hindering that. Last week, I guess Bubba Wallace was parked because he didn't, 
and he didn't have that option because they came to the stage break. And so the stage break laps affected that. So that was kind of surprising to me. I would have thought NASCAR would have kind of made an exception of if he's not given the opportunity, given the laps to do such, you know, that isn't really within their control. In this case, Ross Jastain didn't have control of somebody slowing him down in front of him, and they did intervene. So I don't know if they, mm-hmm. they did that because of what had happened the previous week, but that was the first I had heard about it happening to Bubba Wallace, and that's a shame. Yeah, that is a shame because I had not made that connection. So thank you for making that connection there with Bubba Wallace. Uh, and the same thing happened to him. And I would, I do remember Scott Miller saying they sit down every Tuesday and they re, they take a, they rewind the race and take another look at things that they could be doing differently. So I do think that that is a possibility. They may have looked at that and said, um, we need to get involved in those cases uh, so that these drivers aren't affected uh, by things like that. So uh, I do think that that's probably what initiated NASA uh, to say something to Denny Hamlin. Yeah, I say to me it looked like it, he wasn't affecting anybody else's race. Um, and in this case, he obviously wanted to affect Chastain's, but NASCAR said, you know, that's a little, a little over that line um, and told him to, mm-hmm. to knock it off. He's made his point, uh, move on, uh, whether or not that – point gets made again later on down the road uh we'll have to wait and see exactly you're right i think uh they've indicated that it's coming ross Chastain knows that it's coming um somebody made the point also on sirius xm this morning denny hamlin might do well by doing nothing uh and just leaving that thought over uh, ross Chastain's head uh could play head games with him uh you know, you don't know when it's going to come kind of thing. So uh, it, it causes the person to do a lot of review driving in those cases, and they end up uh, uh, taking themselves out. So we'll have to see if Denny chooses that route or if he actually does exact some revenge. Well, and, and I think that's where Mike would ch- chime in with he needs to focus on his season, and we saw it from yeah. Chase Elliott when he had the issue with Kevin Harvick. I'm moving on in the uh, in the uh, postseason. He can have a merry off season or merry holidays, whatever he said. Uh, so, yeah. so, you know, maybe maybe take notice of what what others have done in the past. Because yeah, if you're focused on a feud or whatever, uh, you might lose your own ground. Exactly, and to the point that you're making about whether his focus is on his team or his uh, his own uh, car in the Cup Series. Uh, it seems like he's more focused on the team at this point, and that could be hurting him as well. Okay, uh, any other hot topics that you want to get into? I got to go catch up on our page. Uh, yeah, I just put one up, and I was looking for another one. We'll start with Martin Truex, and, and we had heard this in the past when he referenced the the next gen car and how he did in that car uh, might determine his future. Uh, we got a lot going on at Joe Gibbs. Uh, J- uh, Kyle Busch um, not having sponsorship. There's been talk about whether or not he returns. Sounds like that's moving in a positive direction. They said they want to keep Ty Gibbs in the Xfinity Series for two full-time years. This is his first full-time year. 
So they're expecting him to be back there. But now we got Martin Truex, who I'm not saying is having a bad year. It's not been a Martin Truex winning races and top four uh, contention for the championship so far. But he's not having a bad year either. So um, he's apparently doing some thinking, and, and we may see something come out of that. Or, again, if it's been two years slotted, two years for Ty Gibbs, we thought he might move into Kyle Busch's car. It might be that he moves in, into Truex's spot. Yeah, Truex said that he's going to think about it over the next two weeks and make his decision. Uh, a win would sure help his decision-making process, I think. Um, uh, but he's had to go through what a lot of the veteran drivers are going through, and I think Kevin Harvick is going through this as well as Denny Hamlin and, and other veteran drivers, uh, is learning the new car, the next-gen car that's come out. Uh, it's been a bit of a challenge, and we kind of anticipated that. Uh, the new drivers would make that uh, change a lot more quickly than the veteran drivers, and that's kind of proven itself out uh, in some cases here uh, with that next-gen car. Uh, but Martin Truex is the champion uh, in the NASCAR Cup Series, and uh, he's used to winning races and he's used to being competitive. That is a very hard thing for drivers uh, that have seen success in the Cup Series to go through uh, a season or two not having that success. And we've seen it before. Jeff Gordon uh, wasn't as competitive uh, in his latter years as he was in the beginning. Um, uh, Jimmy Johnson, uh, and that's what spurs they want to go out there and be competitive. And when they're no longer competitive, uh, they want to move on and maybe try something else where they can be competitive. So I think that's what Martin Trex Jr. is struggling with. I hate to see it. Um, uh, he's one of my favorite drivers out there on the track. But at the same time, I want him to be happy when he's racing in the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, nobody wants to go through uh, a struggling season year after year. So uh, we'll await his decision, uh, and we'll see where it goes from there. But uh, I think I think they've already kind of said that Ty Gibbs is going to stay in the Xfinity Series, uh, that they were leaning more toward Ty Gibbs staying in the Xfinity Series for the next year or two. So... Um, I don't think we're going to see him move up as quickly as a lot of people are saying necessarily. necessarily. But there are a lot of drivers that are looking for that ride, I'll tell you that. Yeah, you certainly you wouldn't think there'd be an issue with filling that seat, especially if it has the Bass Pro sponsorship, um, which could mm-hmm. tie to a couple different drivers. Uh won't get into that, but... Um, when it comes to Ty Gibbs, I think that maybe Joe Gibbs racing as a whole has kind of learned some things there, um, with Daniel Suarez, Eric Jones, um, the, the coming mm-hmm. along too early. So, uh, I think they're doing the right thing there. Yeah. And we've always agreed on that of, you know, no matter how good he is doing there to be there that short a time may not be the best option. Now, mm-hmm. if Truex were to decide to, uh, exit stage left. Uh, I'm with you. I would hate to see it, but we know it's com- it comes. We've talked about that. You know, Kyle Busch, I mean, even in his prime is still, in my opinion, that may be a situation where it happens. K- 
Kevin Harvick being the other one. Another one that whether or not he's struggling with this car the way it is or just the Stuart Haas racing as a whole, we know that he's another one that is approaching that window, that time. Um, You know, it's inevitable. So if we have to say goodbye to Martin Truex, we'll we'll do so with, uh, uh, I want to say a happy heart, but uh, at least the best wishes, uh, although we may Mm -hmm. wish he would stay longer. Um, You know, we'll have to see, and that's, that's his decision. You know, we've seen it with drivers. You know, I, I was a Jeff Gordon fan, so, yeah, that was rough on me. Jimmy Johnson as a champion. Carl Edwards, I mean, that was one of the most abrupt mm-hmm. um, ones for sure um, that I hated to see um, just the way it played out. Um, but now we mm-hmm. have new drivers we can root for. So uh, you hate to see it, like I said, but you got to believe in your heart if that's what they want and is right for them, um, you know, you got to do it then. Uh, we'll we'll have to see, like you said, of what he decides. He's obviously pondering it. He knows that time is coming. Uh, maybe he stays another year to make and then wait for uh, Ty Gibbs. Uh, I don't know if that'll tie into it or not. Yep, we'll have to wait and see. That time always has that way of telling the rest of the story. Yeah, I'm sure Tom will tell us the rest of the story as well. Uh, but Martin Truex Jr., uh, I think, has had a great career. Uh, we've watched him come up through DEI and Michael Waltrip Racing and and uh, right on into Joe Gibbs Racing, Furniture Row Racing, um, uh, and it's been a fun ride. Uh, and I, I, selfishly, I hope he continues to race. I hope he gets a win in the next two weeks that will help that decision. Uh, but, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I've enjoyed watching him race. And even this weekend, I thought uh, he was going to fall back, and he ended up uh, uh, coming up uh, with a top ten finish when it was all said and done. <clears throat> and, and that's where I say I, I wouldn't, uh, and, and I can't speak for him if he's struggling with the car. He certainly hasn't been having the type of year that he has in the past, uh, as Joe Gibbs Racing as a whole kind of hasn't. Same with Stuart Haas Racing and Kevin Harvick but I certainly don't think he's having a bad year um, overall. Uh, again, you talk about it. Other drivers would love to have the kind of season that he's having as it is. So um, it's all a matter of perspective. Exactly. So, again, it comes down to a personal decision, uh, you know, and whether or not he says, hey, it's time for me to let somebody else take, take the reins or take the wheel. Well, and I think another thing that might play into this is uh, what's happening with his partner, uh, Sherry Pollock. She's been – uh, struggling with uh, uh, cervical cancer over the last several years. She's beat it, and I give her a lot of kudos for that. It's not always easy to do that. Um, and But there's been setbacks and, and, and uh, things to celebrate uh, over the last several years with that as well. And uh, he is a big supporter of hers, and, and I'm sure that's going to play into a decision that he makes as well. You're right. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Uh, I hadn't heard any updates on that lately. I know that uh, she has. I think. I think actually had it go away twice, maybe, and come back. Um, I don't know what the current status on it is, but uh, you're right. They have battled that and battled it together without a doubt. Mm-hmm. They they definitely have, and they do a lot of charity work uh, to help other women. Uh, who are dealing with, actually I said cervical, it's ovarian, 
cancer that she is uh, dealing with. So uh, uh, they do a lot to help support uh, cancer research and and uh, other people who are struggling with those same things. So yeah, we wish we wish uh, Martin Truex the best in whatever his decision is. Uh, selfishly, I'd like to see him stay, but uh, I, I want him to be happy. That's uh, overall. Okay. Well, think, anything uh, else? That was. I Go was ahead. looking. Um, yeah, I know we didn't have any others up on the uh, on our board. I read one today, and I, I got to remember. I don't remember what I was doing at the time when I read it, but I didn't post it on the board. And now I can't find it back. Um, there was some article that referenced JTG Daughtery possibly being the next team to sell out their charter and get out of. Um, mm. Racing, I can't. I, I can't find. I know. I know you like to have the article or the link up there, and I, I just I can't find it. Um, where I had found that, um, but there let was some talk about I that. Find anything? Okay, if you do, uh, please let me know. Um, but yeah, I was saying we've seen the other single car teams, which JT, JTG Daughtery is. Um, and there was some struggles, but the counterfact to it was, and I didn't realize this, I believe Ricky Stenhouse in the last four weeks has the best finishing average of like 6.0, um, only to, I want to say Ross Chastain. Um, but I'm, again, I'm not 100% sure on that. And I don't have the, the article right in front of me now. Um, you know, that, that like you said with somebody else, of winning can change that with Martin Truex deciding to retire you know, winning always changes everything, but we also know that there's some teams, Denny Hamlin or 2311, looking to possibly expand. Junior Motorsports looking to come in if they can get a charter. So we know that the uh, opportunity is there if they were to want to give up their charter. Yeah, let's see. On April 28th, there was an article from the Front, Step, front Stretch uh, saying it was time for change at JTG Doherty Racing. And then uh, I guess they just posted some stuff on Instagram uh, from the organization. Uh, I'm trying to see if yeah, I it see. Was a, it was more recent than that. That's the one I kept finding was the one from April on Front Stretch, but it was a more recent one than that because, um, like I said, it had Stenhouse's stats over the last four races. Um that kind of was swaying them back to maybe they should stay. Okay, yeah. Well, remember there was that Article 2 from the Sports Business Journal about Joe Gibbs Racing working with JTD, JTG Doherty Agency uh, to sell um, sponsorship. So there's that. Uh, that's out there this year as well. But I don't see anything on what you're talking about. <clears throat> yeah, I say going back and trying to find it, I, I couldn't couldn't find it back. Like I said, I was doing something else at the time when I came across it, and so I hadn't uh, immediately shared it to the board, which I, I need to do better at because um, I know when I'm looking for them now, I can't find it back. Yeah, uh, I'm just looking here to see if I see it. Uh, 47 holler caught on fire. Nope, that's going back to 2019. Uh, I'm not seeing anything. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I wish I could find it back. But uh, just what are your thoughts on that possibility? Uh, like I said, I know we've seen it before. Levine Family Racing, Jermaine Racing was uh, another one that, that they mentioned. Uh, and then Chip Ganassi well, Jermaine, wasn't necessarily looking to. Yeah, that's Jermaine's the already 13 done that. that Right, that's what they were saying. It, it, that was the the headline was is JTG the next one to fall victim as a single car operation to fall or give uh, trying to think how it worded it to sell out uh, their charter um, such as Levine and JTG. Did, so or, uh, is it a speculation Jermaine. article? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it, it certainly was. Um, that yeah, we got to make sure the history we of single know. car teams. Yeah, it's important that we make sure people know this is all speculation. Uh, it's not anything that is uh, firmly stated anywhere. Right, um, that that is correct, yes. Thank you. <clears throat> okay. I just, I, just, I just look at it, and like they said, uh, they were saying of right now Stenhouse is doing really well. I know he had a little bit of a rough weekend here at being involved in that one um, with yeah, Bubba Wallace. But his, but his average finish as of re- recent, like I said, was second best um, amongst the, the drivers over the past four weeks. All right. Uh, you know, it's possible. I'm kind of the – I kind of take the attitude of I'm not going to worry about it until it actually happens. Uh, we have seen it happen uh, with other organizations, uh, and it's very possible it could happen with this organization. Um, <clears throat> I'd hate to see Brad Doherty get out of the business. I, I would anticipate that if if he does leave uh, his race team, uh, I would expect we'd probably see him in a booth somewhere, maybe with uh, uh, Fox Sports or something. Uh, the broadcast uh, booth announcer. Uh, he's guested in that uh, position, I think, this year. Uh, so maybe we'll see him do that. But again, it's all speculation. I, I hate to comment on these kind of things until we know for sure that it's the truth. I, I do, and I, I mean, I understand where they're coming from of, of seeing uh, the past history, but I also, with the, what JTG has put into it, um, and, and especially seeing the improvement, um, mm-hmm. if nothing else, maybe see what we saw with GMS and Richard Petty Motorsports, where they combine and make a merger and, and they get two teams out of it. I know that last year they ran Ryan Priest. Uh, in a team without a charter, they had to cut back from that. Um, so to see another team partner with them and strengthen it where they're both productive um, would be my hope if that's the direction they need to go uh, rather than seeing the team go away. Uh, but just like with drivers, you see one leave, another one steps in. We see track house racing come in place of Chip Ganassi. It's been very positive. You know, you still hate to see Chip Ganassi get out, um, but, if if it's a junior motorsports and I, this is purely on on my um, speculation or opinion, but to see junior motorsports step in, come in with a charter, I think would be a good thing for the sport. But it, just like with anything else, new track, it, it's, it's got to come from somewhere. 
So where does it come from? That means you lose something. That's true. That's true. Um, <clears throat> so we have to kind of wait and see, I guess, how it plays out um, this year. Uh, I'm, it, I'm, I'm looking here, and this is this really astounds me. Uh, Mark Abel posted this on Twitter. He says, amazing NASCAR weekend at WWT Raceway. Well done, Chris Blair and the entire team. One storyline deserving more props, the fan-friendly concession prices. I was all over the $3 Bud Light. Popcorn, $3. Nachos with cheese, $3. Plain hamburger, $3. $2. Beer, $3. Coca-Cola products, $3. Bottled water, $3. That is really uh, some fantastic pricing on some of those things. Well, we, we talked about this at the top of our hot topics, the embracing they did, and, and that's one I know Eldora gets a lot of props from uh, for their concession stands as well and the pricing of it, uh, make it reasonable for the fans. Uh, and that will continue to sell the place out, and everybody wins. So you're right, a great job by them of not price gouging um, or jacking them up uh, when it comes time for races. I know some places do that. Uh, so that's that's great on them, and that's going to benefit in the long run, I think, as far as return um, and continued interest in in this sport in the in the area in the St. Louis area. And, and especially when you consider people are driving from all over and the price of gas. Uh, I know in our neck of the woods, uh, it's exceeded five dollars now uh, for five dollars a gallon for gas, which is crazy. And so for them to do that for the race fans, considering uh, the price gouging that's going on with the gas, I think is fantastic. Uh, and, and there's there's a hot topic. I know we're coming up on the top of the hour. That We'll put that one on Thursday's list. Uh, yes. I don't know how much that relates to, to racing, but to uh, racing. it is a factor. You're right. It, it is definitely a factor to racing. I, I know we go through that with the, the local short tracks and all, um, you know, not just for racing fuel, but the fans and teams getting there. So um, it, it, it is an impact. We're a little below you. I think we're at 450, uh, I think is as high as I've seen around here. Yeah, I'll tell you what, when I went to Texas, it was 406 in Texas, 406 in Oklahoma, 406 in Missouri. When I got to the border of Missouri, just before I crossed over, it was 429, uh, and then I got to Illinois, and it was 499, and I got home, and it was 505. <laughs> and I was like, and right today I saw it was 509. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. So well, I, th- I, I thank I, you for that. I th- I thank you for that, Sharon, because I, I, with that, I'm going to plan my uh, routing uh, to go up to Minnesota to stay <laughs> in Missouri and west. Uh, so I'll make sure I stay to the to the west of uh, of Illinois, oh, if Illinois. that's the case. Yeah, don't go through Illinois because the gas prices are crazy. Um, so, yeah, I really, uh, I really appreciate uh, and And see, that was uh, enjoy Illinois 300. Uh, they know what's happening with gas prices in Illinois, and they they really I think that shows some respect to the fans to to not gouge them on the pricing of their uh, concessions. So kudos, 
the gateway for that. Absolutely. It was, uh, like I say, we said already at the top, a uh, phenomenal race weekend. Uh, that's one I know we've talked about wanting to see the Cup Series at and, and the trucks and the Xfinity that when they return, um, I think was a great move. Again, I understand it come at the cost of some other tracks, but I think, and I think this weekend proved it, you know, that short track um, action uh, definitely brings interest to this. Uh, again, we don't want to see a demolition derby, but there was definitely some, uh, some touching going on. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there was. Um, and, uh, you know, before we close out here, I want to encourage everybody, and I know you listened, uh, so you can kind of corroborate this with me. Um, if you didn't get a chance to hear our interview tonight with Chase Purdy from Matory Racing Enterprises, uh, go to our second half hour. Uh, we have Chase Purdy on, and uh, he's from the Camping World Truck Series, and he gave us a really great interview. Uh, during that 15 minutes. I think we went maybe a minute or two over. Uh, but uh, I really enjoyed chatting with him and uh, enjoyed the interview. It was. You're right. Uh, I did did a chance. I had ca- called in here to listen to it, and I know you asked some questions for me. Um, and Sal brought some good questions, you know, tying it to the short track. Being that they were at St. Louis, I know he went into the, the shifting details um, that go along with short track racing. And yep, going back to the that. Snowball Derby, yep, and the history, mm-hmm. um, what you bring from these short tracks, when we talk about why it's so important of looking at, I mean, you know, himself, uh, I'm trying to think the ones, I know he mentioned Bubba Pollard, Steve Nassi, uh, you know, Sal brought Derek That's Thorne the into the conversation, um, and some of the ones he's raced against, and what you learn from it, and, and why that's so important when you get to that next level. Um, of what you've gone through and brought, which ties into Ty Gibbs. Yeah, he's done good at these races, but that doesn't mean he doesn't still have more to learn that he can learn at the Xfinity Series level before he comes into the Cup. So, you know, mm-hmm. that is very important. Yeah, I, I got a kick out of Sal. He brought up an unnamed driver uh, that maybe could have spent some more time on some short track racing in his local neighborhood um, that might have helped him at the Cup Series level right now. Uh, somebody he spoke to uh, made that comment. So I'll, I'll leave it to speculation as to who we're talking about. But uh, uh, I think that that's true. Like short track racing is a lot of what racing is all about. And, and if you can do that, uh, it, it's a lot easier to learn some of the other racing that goes on. Well, and I'm sure Mike would fill in a different name than I would. I, I think the two of us have different opinions on that, so we might be filling different names into that blank that Sal <laughs> left. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He did not name the driver, but um, yeah, I think that uh, uh, there's a lot to be said for short track racing and, and the foundation that it gives to drivers as they move up the ladder uh, into NASCAR. Uh, It's like we talk about staying in the Xfinity Series for uh, more than one year before you move up into Cup. Uh, You can move into Cup Series too soon, and it makes it a lot harder to make that transition. So, again, we hope Ty Gibbs stays in the Xfinity Series for a couple of years, uh, at least, if not three. Uh, before he moves into the Cup Series. I think it will make him a better race car driver. 
With with that, I know we, on our preview show, and I, I want to pull up uh, the exact finish here. Okay, uh, Raja Karuth getting his Truck Series start in the number seven Spire Motorsports finished eleventh, and Zane Smith getting Cup start in place of Chris Busher. I want to say seventeenth. Yes. Um, both of them are very good. Uh, again, the goal is run all the laps, get some experience. I thought they did, both did an excellent job. And I know there were a couple others uh, off the top of my head. I can't remember the other ones that were making debuts. Um, yeah. But to Zane see Smith that and see these drivers. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I, I hadn't made that connection. You're right. So, um, you know, a top 20 finish for him, making his first Cup Series start. And, and again, Raja Karuth in the truck coming home 11th. Um, just getting that experience and not pushing too hard, like you said, and I know that's always the goal. They said his first goal is to just complete all the laps and not end up behind the wall early in the event. Mm-hmm. So big shout out to those two as well as others that, like I said, I know we had about four or five that we talked about their debut over the weekend um, that did a good job. So shout yes, out to all indeed. of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up, Jay. Are you going to be at the racetrack this weekend? Um, uh, this weekend, uh, I don't have to pack up and get ready to go until five minutes before before I got to be there because I'm going right down the road <laughs> here to Columbus Speedway, the baddest bullring in the South for this um, Southern All-Star Super Late Model Series that's going to be here. Dwayne Keith and the group coming out of Atlanta. So uh, not as much time on the road and spent in gas money, if you will. If I were to leave a little earlier, I could walk down there, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. Um, you can follow me on uh, Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, hopefully we'll see some people out at these uh, short tracks uh, like we mentioned. Okay, and I agree with you. I'm Bam for Racing site on Twitter, Bam for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including BamforRacing.com where we have the player for uh, those folks that want to listen to our podcast or even our live broadcast, it is available. So um, a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you for taking the time to hear what we have to say. And uh, if ever you have any questions that you want uh, us to ask of our guests, please be sure to uh, tweet me or uh, direct message me, whatever's easiest for you, uh, and let me know that what your questions are, and we'd be happy to ask them on the show. Um, also, uh, uh, a big shout-out to Sal Segala and to Michael Huseman uh, for being on the show tonight. You guys always make it fun and interesting, and I appreciate that about you guys. So we appreciate all that you do at FanforRacing.com. And uh, with that, I say this we're ready to call it tonight. I know you and I are going to be back on the air this Thursday for the preview show, and uh, we'll be previewing. I know Sonoma's on the list, uh, but we've got some other racing that's going on this weekend. Iowa Speedway uh, is on the list for this weekend, and Sonoma. Those are the two big uh, races, racetracks uh, that we'll be previewing this weekend. Well, I look forward to it, that's for sure. Okay, 8.30 p.m. right here on Vampire Racing Radio. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll see you again on Thursday. Good night. Have a good night.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.